There is something singularly horrifying about the idea of innocent playthings coming to life as evil monsters. We have all felt that eternal fear of something small and deadly under our bed. And the truth of the matter is, no one really knows what dolls and puppets do when the lights go out. Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, but during the month of October. To help you celebrate Halloween, we do a weekly release, and this is episode 155, and it is, um, if I'm not mistaken, it is part one of Mm -hmm. our review of the Puppet Master franchise. And just two quick notes about that right up front. Number one... We've picked up on a lot of anxiety from people that feared that we might be dismissive and completely ravage these films. But just want you to know up front that we're going to give them the same loving, respectful, pseudo-academic HMP analysis (laughs) that we usually try to give to every other franchise in as much as there are things to discuss. Right. So rest assured, we're not going to you know, be jerks because I kn- Josh and I were talking about how we know that these movies mean a lot to people. That's the first thing. The second thing is, in order to discuss these films properly, spoilers are unavoidable. We're going to need to reveal major plot spoilers. And so any film in the franchise is really fair game. But tonight we're going to particularly be addressing the first five Puppet Master films. So that's your little preface up front. And on Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my lone wolf co-host tonight is... Wolfman Josh and Jay, I'm the master and you're the puppet. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm actually not your lone wolf co-host tonight. (laughs) That's right. We have a very special guest, and I'm super excited about this guest because if we can't have Dr. Schlock with us, right, Uh, a man who (laughs) loves and appreciates all sorts of cinema, we have another, I don't know if Schlockmeister is the word, but a person who absolutely adores all sorts of films. He loves the Schlock. Yeah, he does. He does. So uh, we're going to welcome our good friend Cake Wolf of cakewolf.com thank you for having me jay and and hello wolfman josh it it's uh it's an honor to be on here and through my research of of these wonderful movies i discovered that we all have something in common with one another what's that do you mind if i take a moment to share what that is let's do it well uh we don't have strings to hold us down (laughs) to make us fret or or to make us frown (laughs) That's true. That's true. I feel, you know, with all these wolves on the show, I feel a little bit like Liam Neeson tonight. It's, <laughs> it's a great movie. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So uh, 
first of all, I don't know where Dave is tonight. I believe he's celebrating his wife's birthday, right, Josh? Yeah, it was funny because Dave, uh, he texted us and he was just like really upset because he found out that he was going out to dinner to celebrate his wife's birthday. And then <laughs> the best part is he texted us back later and he said, oh, good, she's sick. <laughs> <laughs> he was really excited that she was feeling sick so that he could podcast but i guess unfortunately she's feeling better so yeah they he was he was forced to go out with her we're terrible human beings we're glad that she's feeling okay mrs shock yeah. right and a uh, happy birthday like delete that text man <laughs> uh, seriously right no happy birthday to her and so here we are in october and uh wolfman why don't you, if you don't mind, give the listeners a little bit of heads up of what to expect from Horror Movie Podcast this month. So oftentimes we spend the entire month covering a horror franchise. We've done it with Friday the 13th, then Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, Scream. But this year, um, I don't know, we always feel like we want to kill ourselves by the end of October yes. and, uh, and quit the podcast life. And so right. I just was trying to think of how could we minimize that. And and also we've done all of our kind of favorite franchises. And so we're getting down to franchises that have a lot of lesser installments. And so the idea of spending the entire month covering some of those seemed to me a daunting task. So I thought, well, what if we do kind of mini franchise reviews and we only spend two episodes covering each of the franchises, then we can do two separate franchises during the month of October. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do the puppet master franchise over the next two episodes. And then we're going to do the Hellraiser franchise over the following two episodes. And then we're going to have a Halloween special because it's not only the release of the new Blumhouse film, but also the 40th anniversary of the original Halloween <laughs> and the 30th anniversary of Halloween four. So what a fun time to just have a Halloween celebration the last week of October. So that's kind of our plans for this October and I'm looking forward to it. Yes. And we're still going to be doing the uh, 31 days of Halloween, right? We're going to have those posts. Mm -hmm. And uh, for and those, had a few listeners contact us who want to post uh, their yes. reviews on the site. And we did put out a call for those. So um, yes. we absolutely love that. So contact Jay yep. at horror movie podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to submit, some written reviews. They're rolling in already. I love it. And uh, just so people know, side note here, because uh, every, everybody by now probably knows Dave and I, our all-time favorite horror film is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And so, yes, we will be getting to that franchise <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't mean to suggest that all the good franchises were done. There are several others that we're going to do, but um, yeah. Right. Right. And um. So real quick, I want to we're, we're kind of all over the place tonight because number one, we're very excited. Number two, we've got a lot to cover and I want to go back to Cake Wolf for a second. So Cake Wolf, um, one of my favorite things and people know this because I've said it before on the podcast, but one of my th favorite things about Cake Wolf is that Cake Wolf has this, um, what do you call it? A personal life mission to preserve horror, especially horror in the VHS format. And so I, I just think that 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 won me over as a cake wolf fan when i learned that cake wolf like if he's out correct me if i'm wrong on this if you're out and you see like horror films that are on vhs unless it's suspiria of course <laughs> just i'm just playing um he'll, he'll actually purchase it and like 
you know, collect it and take it into the fold and make sure it finds a good home. Kind of like people do with puppies, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it really depends on the cost, but usually uh, they're not that expensive. It's very rare to find someone that's overcharging for VHS tape in person. Online, you can find that easily. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, when I find them in the wild, I'll, I'll grab them. And uh, if I already have them, I, I, it's very hard to find people that collect VHS tapes. So if any of your listeners do uh, have them uh, reach out to you, you can send me uh, a, a link to them or, or something. And uh, yeah, I don't mind sending them tapes because I'm sure I've, I think I've sent far too many to Mr. Ron Martin, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just boxes of them. Uh, so, yes. yeah, I, w- I would love to have some more people to to send them off to. I, I genuinely admire that you do that because I'm I'm one of these nostalgic sappy guys and man I, I miss those days a lot and I bet Josh does too because he used to work at a video oh, store sure. so yeah absolutely I've got a I've got a big box of VHS tapes upstairs and I don't I don't have a a nice place for my my VCR unfortunately but I do like keep it in the garage by a, then when I'm working out in the garage like uh, at the old tool bench out there I always have uh, some VHS tapes standing by to mm-hmm. play on the TV out in the garage that's right and the other thing about great the other thing about cake wolf is uh he's involved in the horror community i mean he's a hardcore horror fan and so you can follow all of his stuff he has he appears on podcasts and he i mean he he does these awesome horror cocktails which josh will talk about in a second but you can find him at cakewolf.com we're gonna have that linked in the show notes and we hope you all check it out but uh josh do you drink uh cake wolf cocktails josh don't <laughs> I don't I don't drink them, but I I just I like looking at them because they're so pretty and so creative and hilarious. Um, yes, yeah. Some of my recent favorites. I remember he did one about uh, for street trash that just looked. The thing about them is is the ingredients that he incorporates so perfectly capture the tone of a grungy horror movie, but then it's to to make it something that you're ingesting. <laughs> and that also and that presumably also tastes good. I don't know. To me, that's just a seems like a fine art. And I, you know, the stuff was one that stood out to me at the time. The fog grog was one that stood out to me at the time. There was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre one, as I recall, with a piece of beef jerky in it, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, that night I got very very sick. Uh, what did we made three or four of them that night, and that was in a process of of taste testing for hours and uh, that was a that was a bad night <laughs> wow. it was a successful <laughs> night but a bad night in, in the same light <laughs> so you could so say can find those on your blog right and um, sure you could yeah, say that night that, them occasionally and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that night cake wolf got cake wolf got leather faced <laughs> 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 i sure did nice nice thank you so All right. maybe give us just one or two and tell us some of the ingredients just so people can get a sense of what we're talking about here. Sure, I can do that. Um, just give me one moment. I'll pull that up on my phone. I have none of them memorized by heart. And it's been a little while since I've, I've done any of them, which I, w- I would like to get back into some of them. So I'll, I'll tell you the don't breathe. 
Um, <laughs> this one, you are more than welcome to not use the turkey baster, but um, <laughs> we were drinking it with a turkey baster. Uh, and the consistency is kind of kind of sloppy. Um, it's It's got two parts vodka, a half part creme de cacao, half part cream of coconut, uh, one part Irish cream, boiled tapioca pearls, and topped with uh, milk or heavy cream. So it comes out very white, and it has these very clear, uh, bouncy tapioca pearls in there. Yikes. <laughs> mm, that sounds mm. awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a very simple one that, that someone can make uh, with some home ingredients they might already have. Uh, and right now they're bringing back the Crystal Pepsi. Uh, so you can find that in shops right now. This one's the Camp Crystal Lake. Very simple. You just need three <laughs> ingredients. Um, it comes out looking like water. Uh, it's got two parts Crystal Head Vodka. Uh, one part blackberry schnapps, and it's topped with Crystal Pepsi. Ooh. That's it. I feel like Geek Cast Rye would be all over this stuff. He would. He would oh. love these. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I was, this is the type of thing that could turn me in, into an alcoholic if I <laughs> if I went down this road because I, it just seems like a lot of fun stuff that you know for the Halloween season. Uh, you've got the Halloween two parts Quiet Man whiskey, one half part pumpkin Kahlua, three dashes orange bitters. That's that's got to be good for any horror fan in the Halloween season, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, don't you have uh, some sort of uh, Charles Band cookbook, Cake Wolf, or <laughs> Charles Band inspired? <laughs> what, what is I, that? I, I will definitely need to to make a, uh, a, a <laughs> something something for for Charles Band as far as a drink goes. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I, I instead I uh, did like a little homage to him with one of my stories in a, a short story compilation I did. Um, and it's actually based off of one of the movies that we'll be covering today, uh, the Puppet Master 3. Nice. Um, so I, I fell in love with that movie as a kid and I watched it obsessively. Um, my father was Jewish. He brought me to the synagogue. My mother, she was she was not Jewish. So. Technically, I'm Jew uh, hyphen ish, uh, but <laughs> yeah, um, I, I connected with it because uh, it, I felt like it spoke to me seeing my father go to the synagogue and having some of that experience in in, in that religion. My mother, she was uh, Catholic, um, so I wrote, uh, as we know, puppets fighting Nazis in Charles Band's film. I did monkeys fighting Nazis, and I mean, it's just. It's it's meant to be immature and uh, just kind of like a purge of my id. So it's it's definitely gross and violent. I I wouldn't say that it's it's high end literature, but it was definitely fun to write. Right. Okay. And uh, the the story compilation is is titled after that story, and it's called Simeon Swastika Stomp. Right. And I, I, I think I feel like I've seen good reviews from our community uh, on your book. It was a it was a one sick puppy who was a big fan of that, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Oh, OK. Yeah. 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 Nice. And so we so they could find all of that, all of the above that we've discussed at cakewolf.com, right? Yes. Yes. I, I even uh, made a drink of uh, one of your favorite movies, uh, Jay, which is Cujo, oh. which You'll you'll hopefully never try because it's. <laughs> I mean, uh, they're meant to be tasty, but uh, it's really up to. 
up to the person's palate and i can't say that i have a very refined one and when trying to mix things that make sense uh for it to be in there because of the film you don't always get the best outcome this one has budweiser beer in it because that's it prevalent in the film mm-hmm. and it has a, a raw egg for like a foamy mouth kind of thing oh so oh, nice yeah does it also have betrayal uh <laughs> uh betrayal it has lemon juice okay that's so nice. maybe like <laughs> the betrayal to your palate yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the sour taste I, I of just, betrayal i just saw your greasy strangler dude that's so nasty oh <laughs> that's uh that's not meant to be uh and that, that was released on april fool's day along with a couple oh, other ones i see but, okay uh, there, there was somebody that um, that was uh, all set up to do the challenge. They had the ingredients and everything, and I, I had to plead with them, beg with them not to do it. <laughs> uh, that was uh, Tim from the Horror for Dummies podcast. Uh, I, I, I got on the phone with him and just begged him not to do it because it was it's it, it's gross. It's got lard in it. So Ooh, okay, <laughs> nice. Well. Good times. Good times all around. <laughs> so, I feel like anybody who enjoys the Puppet Master movies will have enjoyed that conversation. Exa- so <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so speaking of uh, Charles Band and Full Moon Pictures, let's uh, we're just going to briefly talk about that now. We'll, we'll go a little more in-depth on Charles Band in the upcoming episode in the next one, but just want to get your thoughts, guys, about... Charles Band, are you, are you like uh, Evil Bong fans or Ginger Dead Man fans? Like, <laughs> what do we got here on this this panel? Well, Charles Band, you know, he started out with Empire International Pictures, and they, I thought, made some excellent, you know, horror films from Beyond and oh, well, Troll. I guess Troll's not an excellent horror film, but I like <laughs> Troll. <laughs> Reanimator, Ghoulies. So they, you know, they were already doing that kind of work. Dolls, which I think ties directly into the films we're discussing tonight. But um, when that company folded and he started Full Moon Pictures, I, I mean, you can certainly make the argument that a lot of those uh, Empire International pictures were were pretty goofy. But I do feel like they went goofier, uh, you know, with some of the titles that you're mentioning, Jay. Uh, mm-hmm. Puppet Master. At least as it started, it was pretty restrained, I would actually say, the original film, you know, um, being the first of the full moon films. It seems to me like in some ways just kind of a basic slasher film, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate when, I mean, we all know how I feel about comedy horror typically, but like when you have something like this, it's kind of an absurd concept, but it's taking taken more or less pretty seriously i mean that's that's neat to right. see how, how that looks on, on the screen i mean i i like that mm-hmm. kind of thing but yeah <laughs> yeah they're just kind of outlandish right like castle freak is a good example that's an outlandish film but it's not a joke mm-hmm. but i do think like I don't know. I, I'm not one that can watch like a ginger dead man or evil bong. Type of film. <laughs> right. But cake wolf can, I'm pretty sure of that. Right. Cake wolf. You, yeah. you appreciate no. such things, right? Most definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm especially uh full moon. I, when you were mentioning some of the films, uh, it got me thinking how much of a, a tiny 
horror uh, uh, culture that Full Moon is. Uh, most of their movies are tiny horrors, uh, demonic toys. Uh, even back in Empire, you mentioned Dolls, uh, Wolfman Josh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also yeah, uh, Doll Man. You got Ginger Dead Man, which was mentioned. Obviously, Puppet Master, Evil Bong, uh, subspecies, uh, decadent. Yeah, decadent evil, and uh, creeps, which which is very strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, creeps is fun. It's basically. Have you seen creeps? I don't think so. I can't remember what that oh, one is. They go by different names. Uh, you always see them posted as different the different names, and that's just his little, I guess, marketing angle of getting around uh, right publishing rights or something. Mm-hmm. But it, it's essentially dwarves uh, that are the like mm-hmm. the Wolfman and and Dracula from the classic Universal monsters, all as dwarves. Oh wow! Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That sounds actually like I need to watch that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it is great. So so what what era is that from? Is that a is that that's one of the more recent ones. I would probably say that was uh sometime in the uh mid 2000s. Uh, that's a guess though. I would have to look that up. Oh, okay. Just curious. Yeah, we will we will be looking that up. It's <laughs> <That's> interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a job for Universal Monsters cast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful. That's a great show. Yeah, I agreed. Looking forward to it. So, yeah, you, you mentioned um, Tiny. 97. 97. 1997. Okay. Okay. That's one of my black hole years right there. But, um, no. <laughs> so, uh, guys, when you mentioned Tiny Horrors a minute ago, um, Cake Wolf, and everybody, I said Tiny Horrors, not Tiny Whores. Um, oh. So, like... <laughs> I hate when that happens. Every once in a while, it sounds like I'm saying whores. And my wife is like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Anyways, I, I I wondered with these Puppet Master films, I'm like, what is the concept here behind killer dolls? I mean, what what is going on? Like, in, in terms of, like, an inspiration, <laughs> like, why would you make a tiny horror? And, like, the only thing that I could come up with is I wonder if there is some sort of... Um, and, and this may be reaching, but I wonder if there's some level of fear of of children or maybe fear of childhood, especially since we're talking about like little toys. Uh, any thoughts about that? Hmm. Well, you're not scared of little kid movies, Jay, of scary kid movies. So what? no, I could like, beat a little kid. Yeah, you could beat up a kid, <laughs> and you could, and we see these dolls get beat up pretty pretty badly i don't know we talked about this a little bit with child's play mm-hmm. yeah, those, that's a little bit different because that one's uh, it has a, a child's best friend turning on him right and <laughs> yes this is different because this is just adults being tortured by marionettes and <laughs> so it's like a different it's a very different kind of vibe and i i, I wonder if it's one of those things where it's just not thought through completely and it's just like we know this is a creepy image i think we're all scared even if you look at like the annabelle movies or the boy it's always scary to hear little footsteps behind you and turn and nothing's there right like that's just a creepy mm-hmm. feeling in general right but i don't i don't know that's a good question well because the more i've thought about it it's just like 
with uh you know it's like do they have some sort of <laughs> and I'm just talking like I don't know if the writers I, and I doubt this I mean there have been a lot of writers on these films so it's like I, I seriously doubt they all had some sort of traumatic childhood or something but I do wonder if you, you know the, this is manifest in some weird way where like you know maybe they were disappointed at Christmas maybe they didn't get what they they wanted to get or maybe like you know then in Toy Story the kid next door who puts together all the weird freaky toys or like in, in Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, the, the Island of misfit toys. Like, I, I wonder if there's like a, a disappointment with getting, um, you know, secondhand or, or, or toys that aren't the cool toy that you wanted. Probably not, but I'm just saying, I wonder if there's some sort of tie in the childhood. The other thing that I wondered is um, these dolls are, are exceptionally loyal and they remind me a little bit of, of the way that dogs are loyal. So I wondered, and, and, and what's neat about them is like, they'll be loyal and they'll even kill for the puppet master. But then if, if they're betrayed, you know, they will turn on you like a dog will turn on you. So I, I don't know. I, there's probably nothing to be drawn there, but that's, that's really the only place I could go with, pulling into tiny horror into your your story i don't know i i think one basic thing with toys is the perversion of innocence right like the first thing i thought of when i sat down and started watching this was pinocchio and Mm -hmm. you know it definitely reminds me of kind of the geppetto pinocchio relationship that andre has with these dolls at least initially Mm mm-hmm and and so yeah i mean i think just the perversion of something innocent is is definitely a a type of horror right yeah there's a there's a uncanniness about seeing that small weird thing running at you you know that as well too that's another kind of mm-hmm. thing that i think makes it unsettling is the uh the uncanny yeah almost human nature Sure. I, I think you especially see that when you see the life-size dolls in like parts two and as, as the series goes on like that to me is where it really gets disturbing. Yeah. Well, and there's an inversion of like the wielding of life and death. Like typically in horror, we, we explore horror or we go into it to like overcome our fears or at least face our fears about our mortality and death about the taking away or extinguishing of life. But interestingly, these these films are inverted because it's about harnessing the life creating substance, like what gives something life. And um, so that's pretty neat how it kind of flips it around and it's about instilling life. And and instead of the taking of life, which is typically the horror conceit, this is about the giving of life and and then horror arrives. And it reminds me of like, you know, Frankenstein's monster, which we do have a a nice nod to that here in these films. But anyways, cake wolf, any, any other thoughts about the concept of killer dolls or tiny horrors? I think as far as toys go, um, there's a lot of angles that you can look at it and it really, uh, depends, I think on which film you're talking about, because I would have different thoughts, uh, to like speak of, of this on say Chucky, mm-hmm. cause there's more of like a mass marketing kind of thing there. Um, but, uh, just in general with, uh, toys, I think that the horror that we can see from them, um, 
that we can relate to is that every single one of us wishes that we could go back to being a child. And I really haven't met anybody that doesn't agree with that, that doesn't wish that they could turn back time and, and go uh, back to that simplicity. And um, I think that there, there's a couple ways you can look at it. And, and I think one of them is the fact that uh, these dolls represent uh, in a way saying, no, you, you can't do that. The, the fear is, is reality. Um, smacking you in the face and saying, no, that's, that's not possible. Uh, you can't go back to your childhood. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're going to die and, and you're, your childhood's over. Uh, so, um, wow. Thought so I think that that's, that's one way of looking at it. And there was another one that I had in my head, but it, it just slipped my mind. Uh, well, if you think about it, definitely. I mean, yeah, let us know because I just want to tell you right there, you, uh, you took me through an EMDR therapy session just right there within that two minutes of what you were saying. Cause it's so true. Like you nailed that cake wolf because, um, I, you know, I, I have a son and a daughter and with my son, well, and my daughter for that matter, they both play with my uh, GI Joe toys. Those were my favorite toys when I was young. And, you know, I still play with my kids obviously. And so I have tried to return to that little, wonderland of playing with gi joes and it's um it's maybe like 12 percent as fun as it used to be and i think it's what you were talking about because while i'm playing with those toys i've got all these stressors and all these things all weighing on me that i did not have as a child because kids don't worry about anything and it's like oh i gotta do this i gotta pay bills i gotta do that you know so forth so what you said really rang true to me right there cool uh, I did. I did think of the other thing, um, and it, it 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 probably only happened because you you were the one commenting there, Jay. I I listened to your uh, review on Slenderman, mm-hmm. and part of the 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 lore in that film was when you start looking for him, that's when uh, he comes after you. Um. So the the idea that uh, I was thinking of is um when you are, are trying to uh, to go back to that, that area of your childhood. Um, and this might just be like rehashing what I had already just said, but uh, anyway, uh, in case it's not the, the, we'll, we'll talk it out. The, the horror um, <laughs> of your childhood that you didn't know that was, was there. Um, I think a lot of children with their, uh, with their imaginations, uh, they've, they've got the best imaginations. And I think that really shines in the, <laughs> the cartoon show Axe Cop, which is essentially written by a five-year-old. Um, but uh, regardless, uh, our, our imaginations are high and we're, we're at our peak moments of fear when we're younger. And um, I, I think that if you look at it in a sense of there is a horror there that you're aware of when you're a child, but you forget when you're older. But if you try to go back to that state of, of being, um, you, uh, you are, you're sort of like investigating that, that danger that you left behind that other world that runs parallel to ours, that we 
you know, forget to, to look at or, or, or pay thought to because of bills or whatever uh, else is, is holding you back. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of like, uh, I think, I think there is, um, uh, something to say about the, the toys representing, uh, that, that aspect of our childhood where, um, it's like the manifest of that, of that fear that maybe we can relate to, uh, visually as adults, but, uh, not necessarily emotionally because when it comes right down to it, killer doll movies at the end of the day are not very scary generally. Right. So that's true. But, um, but I like, I like this direction you're going with this cake wolf because it, yeah, I mean, you made me think as you were talking there of, of the, uh, the, ex- the profound vulnerability that children have to mm-hmm. the world around them that they are absolutely unaware of. And so, um, I believe, uh, it was in the film, the Godfather, right? He says, you know, and by, obviously it's a kind of a sexist, um, comment, but, but Don Corleone says, um, you know, women, women and children could afford to be careless, but men can't be careless. You know what I mean? He says something to that effect. And, and obviously that's not true of women, but, but with children, um, with children, they are, they, they are careless because they don't even know what they don't know. They don't even know what evils are out there and exist. So there is that vulnerability. Anyway, that, that's pretty cool. Um, the, the last thing, and Josh, feel free to jump in. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much. Um, with full, with full moon pictures, you know, I just want to come back to that for a quick second before, before I forget. See, I, I'm not completely against like, um, some sort of like silly schlocky type of horror film, even like these tiny horror type of movies, because, um, you know, I remember, and I think probably most people listening to this podcast have had these memories, like, you know, watching, I I don't know, like USA up all night or Elvira and, you know, all those kind of shows where you would, you would turn on Cinemax at 1am one morning and, and there would be this, the weirdest, you're like, how did this even get made? And that would be on, but, (laughs) but, but it was such a magical because you didn't know what it was. You probably weren't supposed to be up that late. You were probably supposed to be up, you know, in to work in the morning. You're drinking Mountain Dew and eating Doritos. I always bring those two together in my memory. <laughs> and, and I mean, just all these great things that are happening. You know, it's the wee hours. It's dark outside. It's it's kind of creepy, but not really because the movie's not scary at all. But But you're enjoying it. And I think there is a place for that. I mean, I know that. I'm very critical a lot of times of movies that are not just set in cold, dark, hardcore reality. But yeah, I mean, there's a place for films like this and I think there's room to appreciate them as well. Finally, one other thing. Sorry, you guys. I'm I'm talking too much. But uh, Josh, you mentioned Annabelle. Um, and and then there's the story of like Robert and I wonder if if that Robert story if he see I probably should have researched this a little more but I wonder if something like that Robert story helped play into this lore of you know 
killer dolls or horror type dolls, kind of like Annabelle. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, any um, I- any thoughts on that? I don't know if you guys are super familiar with it, Robert the doll. I'm not. sure. Yeah, I mean, supposedly he was what Cake Wolf. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's supposed to be like um, a haunted doll or an enchanted doll. Um, it's like a little. Was he like a little sailor or something like that? Do you remember? <laughs> do you, remember? <laughs> uh, you you know about as much as I do about it, honestly. Um, but I, I do know that that did play in, in, in a little bit in the creation of Child's Play. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if that was as much of an inspiration for this one, but I think Child's Play was. And I think it was just the fact that it was a killer doll movie that was doing well. And... Um, I, I know there there is uh, like what a uh, a year's difference maybe less between the two movies. I, it doesn't take Charles Band, I think, more than a month to make one of these movies. Right. Um, so <laughs> I, he's like the honestly, weird Al Yankovic of horror, right? Like he, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and it's not just him. This is a practice that I think him and and probably a bunch of colleagues. Uh, I, I like to think of this like league of extraordinary horror fans <laughs> that formed together um, to to do all of the canon, the the Empire, and uh, the Full Moon Madness uh, horror movies. And if if you watch enough of them, you start drawing lines to other movies. Uh, the the Carnosaur trilogy rips right off of the Alien trilogy. Uh, there there's just it, it, it's far too there's far too much of a coincidence in in a lot of them. I wouldn't say all of them, but it, it definitely uh, I th- I think Puppet Master came out at a very convenient time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's kind of the Roger Corman school of filmmaking, too, right? It's like cheap, quick, copying something else that was successful. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Which is kind of a Hollywood staple, really. I mean, if we're, if we're being honest. But yeah, you can a, get some fun stuff out of that, though. Sure. And, yeah. Absolutely. I agree. My, my favorite. So just going back to Robert, I was like doing some fast Googling here, and who knows how reliable these things are. But like, one of my favorite um, instances of learning about the whole Robert story was on the Lore podcast, Aaron Mikey's Lore, and I know they have a TV episode of it now as well that people can look up. And then um, just looking at the legend on Wikipedia, which you know who knows how uh, reliable this is, but it says according to local folklore, Robert the doll has caused car accidents, broken bones, job loss, divorce. And a cornucopia of other misfortunes. <laughs> and museum visitors supposedly experience post-visit misfortunes for failing to respect Robert. So take wow. take that, Wolfman. I'd like man. to see a Thanksgiving horror film called Cornucopia of Misfortunes. Oh, so. yes. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> so, anyways, it's weird. I mean, one last thing on the tiny horrors. I love that you cat... I love that you characterized it that way, Cake Wolf, because that, that's amazing. Like, what is it? Okay, maybe it's a fear, because I'm always trying to analyze, like, where is this coming from, this this horror concept? Maybe it's a fear of disease. Um, you, you know, those are super tiny horrors, right? But there are little monsters all over our bodies right now and in our bodies right now. 
I mean, there are monsters trying to kill us every second. Beastly freaks, as it were. Those are tiny horrors. And and I, I don't know. I mean, I would just think that that would go into some kind of like, you know, infected horror subgenre. But who knows? Yeah, there's something about little things being able to take down big things. I don't know. Uh, there's a, a guy on Twitter named Josh Schlossberg. Uh, he's, he's very nice. He's a scientist. He's, he's very into uh, microbial horror. Maybe you want to ask him. Uh, he writes <laughs> uh, stories about microbial horrors all the time. Wow. That's amazing. Josh, yeah. did you, uh, Josh, did you know about microbial horror? No, is that like the Jake Gyllenhaal movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to watch it through a microscope. Um, no, you, I, there are some there are some creepy Jake Gyllenhaal movies. Actually, now that you mention it, like Nightcrawler, man, that's creepy. Well, and, I was thinking about Life, right? <laughs> yeah, that one, that Alien ripoff, the supposed prequel to Venom. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Well. Um, yeah, so far this feels like a, a Charles band type of full moon pictures episode. I feel like you said, Josh, I think we're on the right track. I really do. (laughs) So anyways, um, let's get us back, back onto the right track even further with a tremendous voicemail. We got a couple of really good voicemails and this one comes from the night of 1985. Now, I don't know if that's K-N-I-G-H-T or just N-I-G-H-T I happen to prefer the latter but anyways <laughs> he, he was saying that he didn't have a horror nickname yet but I actually love that that name right there the night of 1985 just saying I'm just putting it out there but anyway everything in this voicemail I believe every single thing he says I agree with 100% and not that you know I have to but I'm just saying it's really cool yell at me you guys if you can't hear this it's about three minutes. What's up, HMT? This is the night of 1985. I don't have a horror nickname yet, but one of these days I'll think of something. Anyway, I'm very excited to hear that you guys are going to be discussing the Puppet Master franchise, and, man, you guys are going to come down hard on some of these films. I just know it. Uh, I'd be dishonest if I tried to say that these movies are objectively good, because they really aren't, but they hold a lot of sentimental value for me. Now, to me, the Puppet Master franchise kind of epitomizes the horror movie rental scene of the early 90s. Uh, the Puppet Master movies, along with, honestly, the rest of the Full Moon Entertainment canon, like Subspecies, Demonic Toys, Dollman, etc., were staples of the horror section in just about any video rental store you'd go to during that time. And I got a lot of nostalgia about renting these movies as a kid. They were always a favorite of mine. The first movie introduces us to Andre Toulon, the Puppet Master, and his ability to imbue his puppets with life, and, of course, a group of puppets who are the true main characters of the series. And it's not my favorite, as it's really slow, and there's unfortunately not a lot of screen time for the puppets. I have a feeling Jay's going to have his trusty stopwatch out for that one. (laughs) The second and third movies, in my opinion, are really the peak of the series. Toulon's resurrected, and certainly it is most malevolent in the second installment, which is probably my favorite of the series. The movie delivers the goods with the puppets wreaking all kinds of havoc. We have the introduction of Torch, the little flamethrower puppet, who's... Definitely one of my favorite puppets. The ending is pretty insane, too, but I won't spoil that for the listeners. Uh, Puppet Master 3, Toulon's Revenge, changes things up uh, quite a bit. It gives us a full origin story for Andre Toulon and starts the trend of the puppets acting more as bad guys this time, which is a trend that dominates pretty much the rest of the first five movies. 
Uh, what we basically have here is a World War II era revenge movie with the puppets exacting revenge against the Nazis for the murder of Toulon's wife. It introduced the six-shooter, the six-armed cowboy puppet, who's now a franchise staple. Um, this might be the most well-written movie of the series, comparatively speaking, of course. And proves to be a pretty fun watch. I mean, who can turn down a movie featuring a group of homicidal puppets killing Nazis? I can't. Puppet Masters 4 and 5 continue the trend of the puppets as good guys and introduces a group of evil demon puppets for them to fight, which is kind of cool, I guess. I don't really remember the details of uh, those two very much, but I seem to recall them feeling like they should have been one movie, but were split into two for some reason. <laughs> they weren't as good as the previous two installments, in my opinion, but still good for some cheesy B-movie fun on a rainy night. I kind of tuned out of the series after Part 5, as they kind of seemed to be departing a little too much from the feel of the previous movies. Okay, and right there it cuts off abruptly, because um, the Google voicemail only gives you so much time, and so I apologize about that to the night of eight, 1985. But I really love that voicemail, it just... I think he nailed it. He's covered a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about here. But I, I also thought he really covered well how these these films are typical of, you know, 90s horror and what it felt like in, the, in walking into a 1990s video store, right? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, the, and because this isn't my kind of go-to genre, I think this is, I, I think I've talked about this on the show. I really felt outside of any kind of horror community throughout the nineties, you know, and I was, that was kind of when I was becoming a coming of age, I guess, like becoming, you know, going to junior high and high school and stuff. And um, I just did not connect with the horror audience. And it wasn't until scream came out that I kind of like felt like a, a horror fan again. Um, and it's just, cause I just wasn't like really into child's play and nightmare on Elm street. And and this kind of stuff. And I just, I don't know. It didn't resonate with me for whatever reason. And you know, we know a lot of, there's a lot of bad horror in the nineties, but I still watched, I just basically stuck with eighties and seventies horror movies all throughout the nineties is, was kind of my thing. But yeah, I 100% agree. Like this feels like going into, I can't even remember some of the names of the, the video stores. I mean, they were all the little independent stores. Mm -hmm. There was one, the one that we went to a lot around here was called Sounds Easy Pizza, and it was just like the cheapest, like cardboard, most disgusting pizza on the planet, and then VHS tapes, and uh, you had to go there and get get a Sounds Easy Pizza for like three dollars, and there was like a deal where you know if you spent like five dollars, you got a pizza, a drink, and a movie. <laughs> now you're talking. That's awesome. And this is definitely where I would have watched uh the puppet master films <laughs> josh i just love hearing the name the puppet master every oh. time you guys say it uh, absolutely <laughs> i know we don't we don't mention it that much on this show but josh and i feel like uh, i'm i'm actually I'm, I'm very hyped up and uh especially with that call coming in uh i have two pages uh, written down here as preparation because I thought you guys were going to sh just poop all over this. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have like two pages of argument here that I, I don't even feel like I need to cover at this point. Well, oh, we'll find out. I mean, like, look, I'm yeah. not I, I'm not planning to shred the films, but you might have to stand up for because I'm also not going to be standing up. For <laughs> yeah, I mean, by all means, as we as we go through each of the films and take a look at them, Feel free, because, yeah, I bet Cake Wolf, that's why we had Cake Wolf on here, everybody, because, you know, we needed to have someone who was much more of an expert than we are and more of a, 
a consistent fan than, than we have been, right, Josh? I mean, I, absolutely. So we appreciate it, Josh. When you were talking a minute ago, you remind me. You sounded like the Apostle Paul when he said, "When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood <laughs> as a child, thought as a child. But when I became a man and watched Scream, I put away childish things." <laughs> so, anyway. Anyways, um, well, I would like before we get too far away from from your your just what you just mentioned, mm-hmm. I, I would not call myself uh, an expert on on any of these films. I, I do love them, mm-hmm. but I would not consider myself an expert. Well, com- okay. compared to us, I mean, yeah. right? <laughs> so, uh, and I'll tell you something. Here is here's my big contribution this time around, at least as some sort of a a penance, I guess. For falling asleep and missing <laughs> some of the child <laughs> child's play franchise movies, Most I, of the child's play franchise. Well, just a couple. I mean, a couple. Yeah. Um, I did watch this week all five, the first five films here that we're covering tonight, and so um, and I hope to do the same for next week's show. I'm just saying, I just want to put it out there that I'm, you know, trying to show up for work and do my job. Now, uh, a Cake Wolf. I'm just curious. Let's just throw this out here right now. Now, I have only, I'm just going to tell you people up front. At this point, I've only seen the first five. I mean, I had seen the original Puppet Master before, of course, but I hadn't gotten into all these sequels and stuff. So now I'm only five in. So I don't know what's coming in terms of puppet personalities, but just in the first five, I I wonder if we could just um, call out our favorite uh, puppet. And I'll just I'll just say mine right now. Mine is Tunneler. I ha- I have to say it's <laughs> for sure. Why is that funny? Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. Why do you think Tunneler's uh, he stupid? Bows his head down and starts. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's freaking awesome. He's brutal. Like he, first of all, he's one of the heavy. I mean, he's one of the muscles, obviously, and um, he is just lethal. I mean, yeah, they, they could have called him. They could have called him Screwhead or something like that. But they, <laughs> but they called him Dreidel Head, <laughs> right? But they called him Tunneler. And I think that's really cool. Anyways, and I like the way he kills people. Like, like he'll go right into their forehead or into the stomach. And man, that's that's awesome. I I don't know why. And I like the look of him. And um, you know his his mysterious coming and going in terms of like, <laughs> you know, being dead one movie and back the next. Anyway, we'll get into that later. But but Cake Wolf, um, out of the first five films, what's your favorite puppet? Uh, Tunneler. Tunneler for sure. Uh, Tunneler is my favorite. Uh, it's also my girlfriend's favorite, and uh, a couple other people I, I spoke to. There you go, Josh. Yeah, ton- Cake Wolf. You did a uh, you did a poll on Twitter. I noticed. I was hoping you would share the results of that with us. Sure. There there weren't very many uh, <laughs> respondents. <laughs> Yeah, and I I really tried to I um I did everything except uh, promote it financially, uh, but <laughs> I I had it everywhere. I was asking friends to 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 trade it around. It probably landed on at least thirty different avenues. We got thirteen votes, um, and Blade won at forty six percent. Tunneler is uh, close second by twenty three percent. Okay. I figured Blade would win. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Le- Leech Woman and Pinhead did get uh, votes. Uh, Jester got none. Yeah, yeah. Well, Le- see, Leech Woman is is incredible, but also gross. Um, but my honestly. Oh my gosh, dude! I sat down. You know, this happens to me every single time. I'm like sitting here, I'm watching all these movies in a row, and then I'm like, oh, "Man, I'm really hungry right now. I'll just grab something to eat." And without fail, the second I start eating, something just totally disgusting happens, and I just can't even finish my food. It happened with Leech Women, two both movies, like twice. I'm like putting food into my mouth and all of a sudden it's like this disgusting thing starts well yeah let's talk let's talk about the sound design with that because um i love and hate it simultaneously how like at first she always sounds all sensual and sexual she's always like "Mm, mm," (laughs) right right and then all of a sudden it's like you know and it's like yeah it's like the it's the worst combination of like like you know because you hear the first thing and you're like all right yeah bring it on leech woman you know and then it's like and then it's like mm, no no that's enough but anyways that cracks me up um speaking of noises let's just while we're on the the puppet sounds it i think it's super fascinating that they and wise and remember, I'm only talking about the first five movies. I don't know what's coming yet. But I love that they don't really talk, yet they have voices. I mean, they have sounds with their voices. And I love, love that. I do love it. I think it's super cool. Like, for example, Six Shooter, he's the six-armed cowboy, and he's got that crazy grin, that Jack Nicholson face. I also think that they were riffing on Jack Nicholson a little bit because like the sound he makes is kind of like very Jack Nicholson esque. He's like, mm-hmm. yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like that thing he does. Sounds yeah. So Jack Nicholson. Eh, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like his, like the Joker. Joker. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But my favorite, I honestly like my, so Tunneler is my favorite, but but the one I'm most intrigued by that I wish we had more of is uh, I see the name of it is uh, uh, Jen the Homunculus, I believe. It, and is that yeah. like the green goblinish mm-hmm. one? Okay, I love the look of that one and that little frigger. <laughs> he like he even moves his eyelid like he kind of winks almost, and he looks super cool. And and I just feel like he would be pretty lethal and brutal. So I, I don't know if we're going to get to see more of him, but I'm always like pretty fascinated by that one. Anyways, um, uh, Wolfman Josh, do you have a, a favorite puppet? Um, well, I was going to save this for my review of the first film, but I, I, I think my main issue with these movies in general is I don't really like the puppets. So like, I, <laughs> I think, I, I think I, I like, I like Sorry. the psychics and this kind of like the hotel and the setup and the, the vibe of everything that happens until the, the horror scenes come. And then I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay. Not that, not that great, but you know, yeah, I guess um, I, I, the thing I like about blade and hook is that he's got like a, you know, like a Billy Drago, Klaus Kinski thing going on. Uh, yeah. And that's fun. Like, yeah. And, you know, I I like is a blowtorch is definitely like Torch. most lethal. So that's that's exciting to see someone 
because the thing about most of these puppets, just like how you're not scared of little kids is like, even you get pinhead who's got these man hands, right? But then all you do is you just throw him against the wall and he's completely <laughs> he <disabled>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Oh, he's choking me. He's choking me. If I could just smash his tiny little head, I'd never have to worry about him again. You know, it's uh, I'll, I'll give it. Go ahead. Can I also say I'm confused about the mortality of these, everything in the film. Ever, all of the characters. I'm I want to kill myself so I can live forever unless you smash me with a hammer, then I'm gonna be dead. <laughs> what is happening? Right. What are the rules? I don't know. Can you just burn them in a in you know, you can just throw a leech woman into a pot and she'll die, or like I just don't get. Well, and with Tunneler, I mean, he's yeah. he's killed and smashed by a lamp in like the second film or whatever, and then he's right. he's back for like four and five or whatever. Um, it's weird, but yeah, I don't get it. I, I'm with you. I, the rules they play fast and loose with the rules, but one thing I I, the one that's truly upsetting to me is actually the the jester, like the way its face spins around. That is actually freaky to me. Like mm-hmm. that kind of messes me up. Yeah, the face spin. It just doesn't do much after that. But that that actually freaks me out. Well, didn't we in a previous episode? I think that we posted pictures of this or maybe a listener did. I believe there was like an actual baby doll from back in the day Mm. that had three sides of faces on the same Mm. doll head. Do you know what I mean? And so like, and I think the idea with the doll was like the actual function was you were supposed to put the bonnet over and cover three fourths of the head and show one face. But if you take the bonnet off, you could see th- all three doll faces on the same head. <laughs> it's very unsettling. And that reminds me of Jester a little bit. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> well, I wanted to comment on something Josh, uh, just said he mentioned blade looked like Klaus Kinski. And that was actually on purpose. Uh, I think it was the, the, uh, puppeteer, but it might have been the director. It was one of the two um, that really loved Klaus Kinski and just wanted one of the puppets to look like him. That's awesome. Oh, well, David, is it Schmoller? The director, he actually Mm -hmm. did direct um, the original Crawl Space with Klaus Kinski, so maybe that's what the connection is. That must be it, yeah. And I do hear what you're saying, because the Puppet Master films, they're... (laughs) Um, they're, they're very insular and, uh, they're, they're stationary in scope. Um, they, they kind of have the, the sensibilities of, uh, daytime soap operas or maybe even <laughs> Baywatch nights with a mix of schizophrenia. <laughs> but, uh, I totally agree. But, um, there, there's definitely, uh, there, there's, there's something that you can chew on. I think that these movies are perfect for the interactive viewer, um, mm-hmm. kind of like Larry Cohen's The Stuff from 85. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're similar in the way that they are riddled with questions, but there is a lot for the imagination to chew on. And I'm going to do my best to answer the uh, plot holes because I do have theories. Um, nice. So I'm going to try and answer those as we get to them, and, and hopefully I can okay. uh, make a believer out of someone. Oh, I like <laughs> this. One thing I, I think we should also mention is we've talked a lot about how horror um, franchises tend to start falling apart continuity-wise as they as they go on. These do, too, as far mm-hmm. as I can tell. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that more than half of the films in this franchise are prequels to the original movie. That's fascinating, especially yeah. the time period that this 
happened because prequels weren't really a thing. And for so many of the films to be prequels, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I wonder just in terms of like structure, I, I suspect there were two reasons for that. Number one, um, I think they really liked to tap into all, all the subject matter of the, the Nazi era, like World War II, mm-hmm. so forth. So I think they wanted to go back and mine that field a little more. And I also think that where the, like the first the first couple of films go, it, it's it's almost like the end of the line for for this story. And 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 I mean, it's not truly that way, right. but it feels like they kind of are toward the end. So I think that's why they go back to like richer, more fertile soil. That's my theory on that. Well, yeah, and I would say that the first film is the most straightforward again. And so it's like it's kind of like the safest bet as the original is the very first full moon films production. It's like, okay, this is a safe bet. We'll make our money back. But then with the second film, it goes crazy. And then the third film, you go prequel period Mm -hmm. piece. Like it's I mean, they're really start. It's kind of like they had the freedom to kind of go nuts after Mm -hmm. the success of the first one. Yeah. Yeah, when it started picking up some uh, momentum. <laughs> but one last yeah. thing on um, on the puppets real quick, and I'm sure we'll talk a little more about them, but actually two last things. Now, I, I what I've noticed, and I, I give serious props to this franchise, I, I believe at least, I think there are a lot of shout outs and nods to film history. And I bet if Dr. Shock were here tonight, he would, he would back me up on this. But like, um, for example, I absolutely back you up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there there are instances that we're going to be talking about tonight, I'm sure. But, like, one, just mentioning the puppets. So, with Pinhead, you know, that makes me wonder if... So, okay, back in the day, so there was Todd Browning's Freaks from 1932. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is... And just so people know, just a little sensitivity here, like, you know, those people, those people who were cast had, you know those were really what their bodies looked like and so forth. And, and I think some of the ways that they were exploited for that film are, um, you know, unfortunate, let's just say, but, but yeah, a couple of the characters in there had very small heads like that. And, and I don't know if it was like, a you know, a, a derogatory term at the time, but they, they referred to them as pinheads like zip and pip in that film. And and so and they actually have that kind of appearance and and as Pinhead the puppet. So I, I wondered if that, that puppet was just some sort of like a, a freak's callback. Uh, Cake Wolf, any theories on that? No, I, I definitely believe that as well. And I think that they do a good job when they want to do homages or they're directly ripping that they leave it obvious enough for people to pick up on you'll you'll notice later on a direct ripoff from the movie uh a bunch of s's and an exclamation point Mm -hmm. um uh but i think in this one it's a little more subtle but it still sticks out especially at the end of our first uh feature film here um that definitely made me harken back to todd browning's freaks totally but yeah, I think uh, just with the, the simple notation of the name itself and, and that was enough to to see that. And, and also just the way that they look, the puppets themselves. Yes. Very, very strange. Yeah. 
So let's, um, you know, we've been uh, dancing around this like um, <laughs> marionettes all night, but like it's it's just been fun to like warm up to this. So everybody's probably like, okay, let's get in the movies now. <laughs> so let's move into our first review of Puppet Master from 1989. In a house of mysteries. This hotel seems to have quite a history, Mr. Gallagher. Who are you people? A research team with special powers. <gasps> My God. She's experiencing the past. Because we are all joined by our thoughts. <gasps> Has uncovered an ancient secret. I have something I want to show you. <laughs> Metaphysically speaking, I killed myself. But they are playing with an evil force. What would you do with the power? You can't save her, Alex. They have given life. We're all in danger. And now a box of little toys. I think someone's in the room, Frank. Has become a gang of little terrors. Okay, Puppet Master from 1989. It is a film that was written by uh the director david shomer and um also had story writing credits from j.s cardone charles band and kenneth j hall it is as we've mentioned a couple times the first film from full moon films and it is about okay here's what it's about some magicians <laughs> go to a hotel when they uh, have a premonition that they've uh, been summoned there by a former colleague of theirs who we find they all despise. And each of the magicians has different psychic powers. Uh, Some can tell the history of an object by touching it. Others can see the future. Others can tap into uh, what people are feeling at the moment. And um, they, they go to this hotel to kind of just, to check in with this guy who's basically screwed them over and they find that he's deceased and that his young wife who they didn't know about is uh, the owner of this hotel and, you know, and was expecting them. He told her that they would be coming. And so they're all very confused by this. And we have kind of a mystery situation as to what exactly is going on. And so I love the setup of this film because it feels very much like I just love an old haunted mansion movie. It feels like the haunting or or something like that. It feels like there's all all these people. And in this case, they're kind of psychic investigators, which is exciting. It feels also a little bit like um, Prince of darkness to me, the setup for the film. Mm -hmm. And I love that aspect of it. And then kind of one by one, they start getting picked off by these puppets and we we saw a setup before this as kind of the uh, the uh, prologue, I guess, to the story, the backstory a little bit of Andre Toulon and these puppets, which we get a lot more of in these prequel films that we've discussed down the road. But we see that this was a guy who was a puppet master. He loved these puppets. He's had these great experiences with them. But there are some evil people trying to get control of them, and he believes that. Um, you know, although that they they are docile and kind creatures, when he is the puppet master, if they were to fall into the wrong hands, they could be deadly. And so we see that, and and the plot is actually kind of confusing now that I'm find myself here trying to explain it. But 
but essentially, yeah, it's a slasher film uh, in a lot of ways. And we see um, each of these psychics being picked off and then we're trying to figure out why exactly it happened. So it's got a nice whodunit classic slasher structure there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you described it well because, yeah, you're right. Now, it, I don't know about you guys, but in the opening of this, okay, we, we have a very popular 70s convention where we get subjective point of view from what ends up being killer, of course, we get Blade's perspective as he's running around at like, you know, knee level because he's little. Yeah. But um, did you guys feel like this opening sequence like is super long and dragged out? Do you do you <laughs> feel that way or not? Or was that just me being impatient? I mean, I feel like the whole movie is pretty slow, but I, I enjoy I enjoy the pace of it. I think I'd have enjoyed it more if something if I'd have really enjoyed the horror payoff. Um, but I, I, I liked it. I can, I can see you. I definitely can see you thinking it's slow and I, and I, and it's not, it's certainly not quickly paced. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to change the subject yet, but just while we're talking about it really quickly before cake wolf responds, I think I, I, I thought it was also interesting that, um, that you can tell the blade seems scared at the beginning of the film. It's interesting because, and, and cake wolf talked about this a little bit, that how it changes throughout the series or maybe that was our voicemail. I'm sorry. That was the voicemail caller talks about how they become more antagonistic and killer dolls as the series goes on. But, um, but they do start off as kind of sympathetic characters and you're scared for them. You're worried for them at at the beginning of the movie, which is weird considering how their character design look like horror characters. (laughs) Like, Oh, my sweet little hook and blade with drill eyes and a creepy (laughs) like skull face and, black mask it's i don't know it's all it's a little confused you know what's interesting and i'm I'm interested in, in hearing cake wolf weigh in on this it feels like different people have different perspectives because to me out of these first five films and i'm just talking about the first five in the first two the puppets are monsters or killers but then in in like three four and five is when they start becoming like little helpers and protectors and so they have more of a you know a positive or protagonist type of angle now now cake wolf for you are they monsters in the beginning or are they helpers in the beginning um i personally think that they don't have a choice in the matter and i don't want to move too far ahead but um that that's where i'm leaning towards Okay. Right, which I think is why they feel sympathetic because it's kind of like it's out of their control. We see in the first scene of the film, oh, they're actually kind and on the run from bad guys. And so that's why it starts getting confusing later when they do become the sadistic killers. The th- interesting thing about that is it violates your um, horror happens to those who deserve at least thing. And, and it goes mm-hmm. falls more into the 80s horror slasher sequel category or as joel robertson has pointed out the kind of ec comics uh, style of horror which is horror happens to those who deserve it it's about comeuppance for evil people and so they i think they make most of these psychics pretty unlikable so that we can feel okay about these puppets who are in some ways doing this against their own will you know knocking them off like oh well this is a crappy these are crappy people anyway so we're we're rooting for the killer but isn't it weird that they are, um, you know, because they're not human and there's a little more insight to their, you know, later on in this series. But 
but at least in this first film, as far as we know, when we're watching the first film in a vacuum, because they're not human, the only real human connection they seem to have is with the puppet master and the people that he may or may not deem as like, you know, friendlies, you know, right. but, but if, if he has enemies, then they are also, see, I'm, I'm, I'm conjuring another Godfather quote, and then they also be <laughs> his enemies and they will fear you now. But, but, but seriously, <laughs> like he, they have no, because they're not people, at least in this first one, uh, as far as we know, they have no like remorse or no problem taking out a human being because they don't really have any moral compass other than their loyalty to the puppet master. Well, to go back to your dog analogy, they're attack dogs, right? So they're trained mm. they love their master and they're, they don't have, yeah, they are remorseless when it comes to doing their job. Nice. Yeah. I, I think, I think that hits the the nail on the head. I think they're lost without their master is is essentially what they come down to and really who their master is um i think they they just need one yeah yeah i'm with you okay what else you got cake wolf because i know that um well going back to what you were saying about the the intro scene being too long uh i was highly engaged in in this whole movie this this entire first movie as i am in any uh of charles band's initial movies in a franchise um he has a habit of putting in padding which is in the first film but it's all original content uh as as films in his franchises go on uh, and I think Evil Bong is probably the the worst proponent of this. Uh, you're you're getting a lot of already used footage put into <laughs> a film and calling it new. Yeah, uh, and that's yeah. upsetting. That's upsetting. Um, yeah, four, f- number five does that with the stuff from four in this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever I can get the the beautiful madness that, that uh, Charles Band brings to his films uh, and, and I can get it completely devoid of, of, of a, some filler, you know, padding, it, then I'm just really happy. I'm happy as, as heck. So mm-hmm. nice. And, and so with this first one, you know, we have um, in terms of the, the, the puppet attack dogs. I like that Josh. Uh, you got pinhead blade tunneler and leech woman. And I think the kill that everybody talks about in this one is our, our first introduction to leech woman and how she works. Mm. And, and boy, that's um, the thing is, I don't know that leeches could, you know, kill you unless you had a lot of leeches over a long period of time. But, you know, I know it's supposed to be creepy and gross and fun, but that's, I don't know. I think that's one of the most effective kills. And in fact, I've seen that kill this, this first leech woman kill in the first puppet master. I've seen that in people's like top 10 all time favorite horror kills lists. It it really ranks for people. They, they do say that um, in survival training, they're told not to eat leeches because they can stick to the inside of your throat and cause you to choke block off your airway. If they're too big. Wow, that's so upsetting. She has no issue with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she hacks them right up. Yikes! <laughs> I think even it, 
even more <laughs> impressive or equally as impressive in that scene is uh, um, the tunneler kill. I mean, I think that's, that's what actually makes that other one work so well as well. I think is to have yeah. that character go out while, while the other's blindfolded and the, the bloody hand and all that I think is pretty effective as well. Mm-hmm. It's a good scene. Yeah, it is. So I think the way that they utilize uh, the tunneler for his kill is it's very sexual um, in, in, in the way that he attacks uh, and, and he's attacking a woman as well. And it's yeah. right after uh, a sex scene. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Well, actually in the middle of it. So I think, I think they were really drawing from that. Uh, I also, I, I think that there's, there's some strange things that, that you could draw lines to with Leech Woman as well. Uh, I, I don't want to rehash the voices of her, but they're, they're highly disturbing. And I think that it works. Yeah, they could be a sexual nature. Yeah. I see yeah. yeah. I think, I think that is always something that tends to get under people's skin and makes them feel skeevy. And that's why alien, I think one of the reasons why alien was so effective because it was so phallic and, um, yeah, Right. Just on like a subliminal level, um, I think the the puppets have that not as intensely, but to some degree they do, and that's why they leave me feeling a little bit unsettled. Uh, mainly Leech Woman, but I think that scene with the Tunneler uh, on his first kill is very unsettling, probably for that reason. Now, when you mention skeevy i do think this film feels a lot more skeevy than the second film like i I noticed a big shift in tone in the second movie where it felt more like a modern film and this one felt more a little more kind of uh exploitative you know than there is there is like a gratuitous boob shot in in part two but this one and 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 some sweet dude butt in the second one but (laughs) yep yeah and this one um this one did feel like super like (laughs) Yeah, I'm in the bathtub writhing around and just felt like really like Well it it's very much coming from Frank and Carissa. The two yeah. of them are are bringing that home. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You take them Frank out is, and you don't really Frank have it. It seems super creepy though. Yes. He yes. feels like a real creepy <laughs> Right. Yeah. He enjoyed that woman's dreams a little too much. Like way too much. He just he he really to me feels like um, a voyeur a, a, and also a sadist. Yeah, mm-hmm. a voyeur yeah. of the mind. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he is creepy. Yeah, because he like he's always encouraging Carissa. Like, well, dig a little deeper. Maybe you can get get some of this vibe going. You know, like he always <laughs> wants details, details, details. You know. Mm-hmm. And while we're while we're on them and talking about their abilities, I I'm I'm really happy with how much they differentiated the abilities that that everyone has. Now yeah. I I don't know what the term is for Dana. Um, they she's the fortune teller and she's yeah. able to touch things and and get impressions. And I I don't know what the term for that is, but um, Frank he is able to uh, see what people are are thinking or um, dreaming about. Carissa she's got the post cognition of of things that have happened, and Alex has uh, precognition. Um, he's he's able to it comes to him in dreams of things that are are yet to come and just all of that and then i guess gallagher he's even able to like i guess project his his uh 
intentions towards others. Yeah. 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 It's cool. I think I did think it was weird that they, he kept referring to himself as a magician though, as it like went on. It's yeah. Like, he's like well i am a magician yeah (laughs) it's It's a little reductive Uh they could have just easily made said that they were all different but made them very similar and i feel like they did a great job separating them and making them feel uh under themselves as their powers are their own kind of uh thing that stands them apart i love that i love the vibe of all this stuff it makes me super excited for and i would like i would like to see a lot more that's what is unfortunate about them for me getting picked off so quickly is i would really like to see them put these tools into action you know as like a a, i I love seeing really effective teamwork in movies i love when you have specialists you see that a lot on like war movies of the of the men on a mission movies where they're you know you've got all these different specialists and each has their own thing and i love seeing that play out i would really like to see i'm sure it exists and i'm just blanking on it but i would love to see a film like that with all these different types of psychic abilities mm-hmm. i think it's really cool i also really like paul lamont in this movie as alex i think he's really likable and i think it's a shame that he didn't come back um for part two because i thought he was really um likable i thought it was jeff fahey at first i was like is this is this young <laughs> jeff Fahey?" i can see that yeah yeah. That hair. I, I love his hair. Yeah. John Larroquette hair. It's intense. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> he was cool. I liked him. Yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, it's it's weird how many in this, well, even in this first film, how many, like, I guess, supernatural type of elements you have. And, and it's also kind of bizarre to me to think about, okay, you got these psychics versus these... um animated puppet dolls i mean really and it's like how how is that a a battle i mean how is that a thing but it is you know i i I don't know it's kind of neat what else did you want to say about this one cake wolf well i i guess i could expand on what you were just saying and Mm -hmm. and agree with you that it does feel like a battle and i think they do that very well i feel like that's something that gets lost further down the line um but in in this one, they definitely make it feel like you okay. Yeah, so, somebody got no. attacked by Pinhead right there with his big giant man hands. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like a frying pan being thrown across the room or something. I just dropped my laptop from about four feet off of. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I'm man. so sorry. I hope it's okay. I yeah. think it is. Give me a second. You guys keep talking. Yeah, it did. It, it sure. did sound exactly like a frying pan. But anyway, I got worried there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm sitting in the dark over here, and and a sudden noise kind of freaked me out. Uh, <laughs> and also, there there was somebody murdered in in the basement that I'm recording in too. So that I'm still getting used to this place. <laughs> wow, are you serious? Yeah. That's that they apparently came. There's one window down here in the basement, and the, there was a a woman, elderly woman, that was living by herself in this house and the intruder came through the window that I'm looking at right now. And he came from the basement and uh, walked upstairs, grabbed this woman, pulled her down and, and beat her to death with a baseball bat uh, right around where I'm recording. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's like real life horror. That's terrible. 
Yeah, the guy that sold us the place gave us a really good deal, and and uh, it was a blessing because we're not by any means very well off. Um, but he had a lot of trouble selling the place, and uh, a lot of people were wasting his time because they were, you know, it just word travels around the neighborhood. If people thought this place was haunted, so they would want to get a tour, so they would pretend they were interested in the house. Wow, that's fascinating. But, yeah. Very interesting. Did you have um? You could have Ron Martin come and you know do his uh, PKE meter and do some <laughs> ghost busting. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Proton packs. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- t- what was I going to expand on that you were you were saying earlier? I, I'm talking about how it was a war between the psychics and the puppets. Yeah, and they they captured that very well. Um, I like that they allowed. Uh, Dana, for instance, to just toss Pinhead, which you know that would happen. They might have supernatural strength, but I mean, there's there's still gravity in effect, and right, and uh, those puppets don't weigh very much. Yeah, yeah. Like I love when he's thrown, like you know, down the stairwell or whatever. <laughs> I think that's yes. hilarious. Um, yeah, and I I love I'm so grateful too. I, this sounds weird to say this, but I'm grateful that they they actually depict that because if they didn't show people um you know rough roughing up these puppets, then then I think it would really undercut the film's power and people would just think, "Oh, that's so stupid. I could beat up a puppet." So the fact that they they show them, you know, <laughs> coming to blows and throwing the puppets around and then the puppets getting back at them again i think that's pretty well done most definitely and i think the actors do a great job with uh displaying shock for those moments when you want to be saying why aren't you just getting up and running uh because being confronted with something so strange as a murderous puppet that has already damaged you there's no doubt in your mind that it can and and wants to kill you uh that would cause some shock to any rational human being. Yes, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, what else did you want to say about this one? Um, well, I I would like to um, just comment on the oddity that, that, that is Jester because, and we're going to see a trend of this along the way for a while. He doesn't do much. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we've got, Every one of them causing damage. Maybe, you know, none of them are directly uh, involved in a kill along the way, but um, they're all hurting except Jester. Uh, and he's apparently, from what he, the, the intention of that character was, that he was supposed to be kind of like the ringleader, and he was supposed to be like a, a strategist and, and telling the others what to do. Oh. Uh, that's why they always kind of cut to him in like in between scenes when you would see the other puppets uh, getting done with a task. Interesting. Okay. I don't know if that was an afterthought. It's very likely that it could have been, but I think it's, that's interesting to think about uh, just to g- give him more of a, of a purpose because he does feel a little bit um, like the redheaded stepchild in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and He's also, because of his various facial expressions, he also seems a lot more fragile and frail, like maybe even like um, emotionally fragile. Like 
in fact, a lot of these puppets don't seem to have much emotion at all, except for him. I mean, he's got a very expressive face, but yeah. you also get the sense that he's kind of moody, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. So. I uh, can see that. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on in the series, we do find out that um, a little bit about Jester. Um, and we, we find out that there there's a reason why he, uh, he is the Jester because um, I don't know if we want to go here. Do I, do we want to? Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. We'll be talking about that in the third one. Right. Is that right? For pretty yeah. shortly. Yeah. But yeah. you're exactly right. They, in, in this film, we don't know, but yeah, we're going to get insights into who he mm-hmm. is. And yeah, I'd, I'd love if you, if you have that in your notes, so then we'll go through those characters. Um, sure. What about, uh, what about this? Now, my understanding, I'm not a professional filmmaker. Everybody knows this, but it appears to me, to my untrained eyes, that what we're dealing with here is some really, I think, fine um stop motion animation right is that how they've like the walking sequences when we see the puppets walking that's that's stop motion animation right yeah they uh they did have uh stop motion animation expert on on the set and uh i believe his name was david allen i i don't i can't seem to dig that out of my memory but that that, that's what's coming to mind that uh, yeah yeah that was him um and he had uh i think they filmed most of the movie without any of the uh the stop animation puppet sequences and did that afterwards um just to save on time because it it, it took a ridiculous amount of time stop animation always does right you get a few seconds and it could take a few hours so wow yeah i mean those the shots are relatively few and far between, but when you see them, I, I think they're quite good, honestly. And and the thing is, I, I guess a younger viewer, like maybe somebody, I don't know, I could be wrong, but maybe if we have like a 15-year-old or 20-year-old now watching this, they might think, oh, that looks super fake. But right, yeah. to me, um, there is there is a realism to it because I'm used to... I mean, I was raised in an era where that was pretty mind-blowing to see something like that on screen. But also, because it's just a tiny bit unnatural looking, I think that adds a little bit of creep factor. So, Most definitely. I think that's where CGI suffers uh, because it doesn't have that little bit of unnaturalness to it, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I think a lot of people today are mixing uh, between practical and, and, and uh, CGI. I think, I think that definitely helps. That's a, that's an interesting point there. Um, something else to take note of, um, uh, as far as, um, well, I, I, I do want to comment, um, on that a little more. I want to say that, mm-hmm. uh, the movie Equinox, have you ever seen that? I can't think of the director. No, I don't um, think I have. I'll, I'll pull it up here. Very, um, very similar. It's, it's one of Ray Harry Houston's later works, uh, Oh, okay. He was a master of claymation stop animation from 1970. That's the Jack Woods, yeah, film. Okay, gotcha. I haven't seen that. It's it's an interesting movie, and it feels a lot like The Evil Dead, uh, right down to the fact that they've got a Necronomicon and and summoning of of monsters. Um, <laughs> nice. But that 
that movie always freaked me out that one. And uh, there's one called them with an exclamation point of giant ants. Mm-hmm. They, they, they look fake. Sure. I guess maybe to some people, but they always seem most real in my mind when I'm comparing something like that to uh, say a movie like the ritual and the, the creature in that movie. <laughs> right. Now you're not you're not dogging on a ritual right now, are you, Cake Wolf? <laughs> I I have a uh, a model of of the ritual monster. Well, I had one when I was younger. My my father got it for me. I did like the movie, but I can recognize its its issues. No way. So wait a second. I'm I'm very confused. So a little tangent here. How mm-hmm. so? What is the history behind that? Then how how do you have a model? of the ritual monster just curious Oh, not the ritual i I, i'm sorry the relic oh okay okay there's all of these uh these horror movie names right uh no the relic okay Uh, mm -hmm. yeah i dig the relic i i like that stop motion animation as well yeah that's really cool like um from 1997 yeah the ritual because i thought you were saying that you yeah but because if no, no. people don't know i mean i'm a big fan of that it's streaming on netflix and um that monster's really cool looking and i thought i thought you were saying that that's a monster that's been around for 20 years and i wasn't even aware of it so oh no no okay. sorry <laughs> no that's all right <laughs> yeah it's funny um Oh, where was, where was, where else was I going to go with the, so you were talking about stop, no master stop motion animation. I I was going to mention that, uh, there was actually a lot of different versions of the puppets that were made for the different scenes that needed to be done. Like, uh, there was a version of pinhead specifically made so that it could be tossed down the stairwell and possibly break. Mm -hmm. Um, there was even one that was made into a costume. Um, I wish I had her name here. There's uh, a dwarf that, uh, well, she she got behind the pinhead creature, and they had one of the puppets that just had uh, sleeves that had no hands, and her hands fit into them. And she uh, she had to kind of like blindly punch this actress uh, Dana during one of the fights, and just try not to actually make contact with her and still make it look believable. I think she did a great job. She did that for, I think the first three films. Yeah, absolutely. I wondered about whose hands those were and what the story was behind that. So I wish I had her name. Um, I, it was on my VHS copy of uh, puppet master, they have this thing at the end called video zone and you can still get the video zone stuff. If you subscribe to uh, full moon's streaming service. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just a small uh, thing at, at the end of the film that tells you a little bit of how it was made and, and what their intentions were in, in creating the film. Uh, and they, they do cover her and I wish I could find her name. I, I have it right here. I found it. Too. It's um, it's a, uh... Cindy Sorensen. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank thank you for giving her a shout out. I, I love it that you I'm very impressed, Cake Wolf Wolf, that you remembered the uh the the stop motion animator and and uh Cindy Sorensen here. So <laughs> I, I love I love when we give uh credit where credit's due. So like that's nice. <sighs> yeah, I think she did a great job. I don't 
I don't think she poked anybody's eye out. So right, because <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be very difficult. And as you already mentioned, I mean the fact that these actors, I mean, say what you will about. I guess low budget horror actors. I mean, some of them are very, they do a decent job actually. And, and the fact that they had to interact in a, in a credible way with these puppets, once again, is very um, impressive, especially given if you've ever seen like the Muppet movies where people have to, like there are scenes where people are like a, adult human beings are wrestling with Muppets it looks yes. just ridiculous and silly. And so the fact that they pull it off as, as well as they do, you know, that's, I respect it. I do. Wolfman, Josh, are you, is your computer still with us? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, totally. Okay. You, you couldn't hear me the last couple of times I was talking. So oh, I, I restarted. Apologies, sir. So what did you have, that's Josh? Okay. We didn't want to leave you out. Uh, nothing. I was just was curious to ask Cake Wolf about, um, full moon streaming service because I subscribe to their Amazon channel. Um, it's quite, quite different. Uh, okay. Cause I was going to say, I was really bummed out because I, I thought, Oh, this is great. I'll subscribe to their Amazon channel. I'll get to watch all these puppet master movies, you know, in a month for a month subscription. It'll be a cheap way to do it. And then it's like, Oh no, only like three of the puppet master films are available on the full moon Amazon channel. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad that they I don't I don't know what they're thinking because they have the films there for streaming. They just don't include it in their yeah, I would yeah. I would definitely if you you want to get the full moon experience to go for their streaming service on their direct website. Okay. They're they're where you make your purchase seems very shady but i i've been doing it for a very long time and i've not <laughs> had my identity stolen or anything but I, I will say that it looks very suspect when you go through the checkout process <laughs> that's great i just had one more question for you guys have you guys seen the little strike yet the the most recent film that we're going to be talking about next episode nope nope i'm just curious if the barbara crampton character because i know she's in the new one if it relates it all to her kind of bit part that she has yeah at the beginning of this film i'm going to be watching those uh i have not seen them no nope. i'm pretty excited about it yeah yeah cool all right well let's um let's move into ratings for puppet master from 1989 and we'll start with uh wolfman josh what do you rate this puppy uh kind of as an objective rating i'm going to give it a 5.5 but I, again, I really love the setting. I love the world it takes place in with regard to the psychic investigation in kind of a haunted mansion vibe. I just am not super excited about the puppets. And I, the, you know, that stuff is just, um, I don't know. I don't find it scary or, or comp very amusing either. So it, it just doesn't really work for me as a concept, which could be problematic going forward. But of the three films that I've seen in the series, uh, I would actually say this is my least favorite so far, um, but I still like it. So, yeah, 5.5, and I'd call it uh, at least a one-time watch for any horror fan, especially if you're into 80s horror, and I'll just call it a rental. Okay. 5.5 5 out of 10. Josh says it's a rental. And for me, I'm must in... Must-see rental. I'm, I'm, is what I would call it. Oh, okay. Must-see rental. Gotcha. Uh now, for me, um, yeah, 
I agree with what you said, a lot of what you said, Josh, that believe it or not, um, this, this one, I, you know how the primary film in a franchise is often people's favorite. Well, this is one of those exceptions where this is not my favorite so far. Of the five films I've seen, I mean, I, I think that the third one coming up here is is a far better film even than this one. But um, but it's decent. I, I definitely think it's enjoyable. I mean, for me, it's a it's a six point five out of ten. Um, even though that it doesn't have as many uh, puppet scenes in it as I would have liked. Um. And, and as you said, it, it's not exactly my cup of tea either, but, um, but I do dig it. And it's, there's a lot to appreciate here, especially with what we were talking about with the stop motion animation and so forth. So yeah, this 6.5, this is a rental. I know a lot of horror fans consider this to be among the horror classics. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're going to try to own all the horror classics, then that is probably a buy for you. But as, as, to use Josh's term is kind of a just trying to be objective with my own subjective rating here. <laughs> I'm giving it a rental. So 6.5 out of 10 rent it. I will say I own all of these suckers though. I bought that big set where they all come together. Anyways, oh, wow. uh, cake wolf. What about you? Uh, what do you rate it? Uh, I do have something to ask you guys before I rate it. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind, just so I don't forget. Sure. Um, out of curiosity, there was a mention of uh, Carol Lombard in in the film. I'm wondering if that was it, it was when um, the couples writhing around on the bed and saying who right. what celebrities were there. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering if that was a nod because there's a lot of similarities uh, in, in the, uh, the the plot structure to a movie called Supernatural. Uh, I'm from '33, and I mean they dug back to the '30s mm. for. Uh, Todd Browning's freaks. So I don't know if that right. was like, cause they do seem to like to shout out when they're, they're making, yeah. uh, making nods. Cause oh, they, yeah. was Clark Gable in that film in, um, Supernatural? Uh, he, he was not, he was not in that to my recollection, but yeah, cause they talk about, she, yeah, they say it's Clark Gable and, um, and Carol Lombard. Yeah. She looks like she plays a fortune teller maybe even in that film. So that's interesting. Yeah, there's there's definite uh, psychics, and uh, I mean it's the death of of her brother, but still uh, she becomes an heiress to everything he had. Mm. So, mm. Um, interesting. I don't know. It's it's just something I, I thought of, uh, but I love this movie. I, it's the one that started it all, not just the Puppet Master franchise, but also. Uh, the the full moon it kicked them off and uh, with their bankruptcy in, in Empire uh, they they needed something strong and I feel like this did the trick. Um, I, I don't want to talk about Charles Band's business practices, but I almost feel like I should. But it, regardless, uh, the movie uh, turned out great in my opinion. I, I have a lot of fun with it every time I see it. I love the puppets. Um, down here in, in my, uh, basement, I have a lot of horror figures. I, I love, uh, just action figures, uh, of, of, of horror characters. And I have the little puppet master guys and I've, I've had them for a very long time. Um, so I grew up with this. There's definitely some nostalgia there. Um, and, and I, I can't, 
say that I would grade this on the same level as as something like, jeez, uh, uh, you know, uh, the original Frankenstein or, or um, no. Alien. <laughs> right. uh, I can't. <laughs> Uh, or, or Cujo even uh, there. These are, are movies that have to be graded, I think on a separate kind of scale because they're not, I, I feel like these movies, um, th- there was a reason why Charles band, I think he had the opportunity uh, through Paramount to send this to cinema and he chose video release. Um, I think he did it probably for money. Uh, but I like to think that uh, he did it for other reasons. Um, there's a, I think, I think a lot of uh, children growing up in the '90s that did not go to the theaters, uh, that that specifically went to rentals uh, or you know watch what was on television. Um, and uh, I like to think that he maybe did it for the kids because essentially this is like a, a kids horror movie that has a, a little bit of something extra in it for the adults. Um, but, nice little S&M. Kid <laughs> movie. Uh, now I say that not to say that it was specifically made um, <laughs> like publicly for kids, but kids get their hands on the weirdest things. And yeah. <laughs> right. I mean this, if you look at the box art, they made toys not very long after the, this film was made. Um, it, it was definitely targeting something. Uh, I think it was targeting children and it was targeting uh, people that have a, a childlike heart as well uh, for that type of very schlocky horror, which uh, probably, I guess, when uh, I guess they, were, they were younger, it was um, probably like, I'm trying to think of some older titles, the black scorpion or you mentioned them earlier, or maybe even the green slime. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I Jay nailed it. This is the kind of movie that when you're a kid, you, you wake up in the middle of the night and catch like 10 <laughs> minutes of it on showtime. And then you have nightmares about it for the next 10 years. And <laughs> yeah. You, and you always know. wonder what it was. Right. Yeah. Until you run into it one day. Yep. I just really love these movies, and I, I, I have to give this one. Uh, I want. I'll say an eight point five. Okay. Awesome. Eight point five. Yeah. Don't worry if you if you want to give high ratings because I tell you what, Cake Wolf. There are other people out there who's going to rate this really high too. I bet you our buddy yeah. Greg. I know Greg Amortis loves this. He's got Puppet Master tattoos. I think he has Blade on him on his body, if I'm not mistaken. Um. I bet you, I bet you, he's in the ten range on this sucker. <laughs> if I had yeah, to guess, and like and I haven't said this on the show for a while, but we all do have our different ways we go about our scale. And for me, um, my numerical rating and my recommendation are totally separate. Like my 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 numerical rating is rated on like the scale of cinema of Frankenstein and The Godfather, whereas my recommendation is kind of like. Yeah, I really enjoy watching this anyway. So, like, you know, Troll 2 might be a one, but it's also a, a movie I love watching and it's a must see, own it kind of a movie. So. Right, right. <laughs> so, I, we all have our own scale that we rate by. That's true. Only That's true. Cool. So, Cake Wolf okay. says 8.5. And then, what do you, what's your recommendation on it? Uh, I would definitely say to buy this. And, and I think Willis would probably agree too that it would be a high, high rating, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Sure. I mean, I appreciated his review on uh, Freddy versus Jason. I don't normally hear nice people say nice things about that. So, <laughs> Willis great. Wheeler, let us know what you thought of Puppet Master. <laughs> that's right. All right. <clears throat> so that's good. That was our thoughts on Puppet Master. And uh, real quick, I got a voicemail here. But before we get to the voicemail, I just want to say real fast, it is super fun to be talking about horror late on a Friday night. You know what I mean? Like we don't, we usually record on Wednesday nights, but to, this week we're doing it on a Friday. And the fact that it's like getting into the wee hours and we're talking about horror movies, that is like living the life to me. Anyways, yeah, it's like we're having a little sleep over here. We should be in our, in our uh, <laughs> sleeping bags on the floor of your mom's basement. Exactly. And, uh, eating, eating Doritos with Mountain Dew, right? That's right, brother. Now, <laughs> now you're talking. All right, so before we jump into our second movie, let's hear a voicemail. This comes from This Is Tom. Hello, Horror Movie Podcast. This is uh, Tom. I uh, also know me on Twitter as This Is Tom. I was calling to talk about Puppet Master just for a quick moment. Hopefully I don't ramble too long. One through three have been a big part of my horror growing up life. They're the three that really I hold special kind of close to me, four and five, just sort of fun. And after that, they kind of just fall off for me. They start going weird with sorcery and retro and the curse, and they just sort of lose me. So the first five are kind of really my deal. They're kind of where I stick at. I would have loved to have seen a proper sequel to part two with the kid hospital, with the uh, mother or uh, the woman mannequin. The Axis movies that have recently come out, I haven't watched them too often. I've seen them all maybe twice, but they're just not for me. The newest movie that came out, The Littlest Reich, that movie is bananas, bonkers, and I think it's a great time. <laughs> not perfect, but for the budget and what the movie is, I think it's a good time, and it's totally worth the purchase. I just bought the Blu-ray this morning, looking to get into that today. But I wanted to thank you guys again for everything you do and uh, stay dead serious about horror. Thank you guys. Bye. Thank you, Tom. That was great getting another voicemail from him. Now, I don't know whether to be excited about these latter half of the film series or scared, <laughs> but uh, I mean, what are we up against here? I mean, I have the set that has like two discs and like five movies on each. Like, how many are there now? It looks like there are 11, if I'm not mistaken, if you count the littlest Reich. Yeah, five, six, seven, eight. I believe there's 13. 11, 12, 13. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. So we've only done five. So what is that? Eight more? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Josh, how are we going to watch eight movies in like... Well, again, Jay, I was never intending to watch eight (laughs) movies. I was intending that we would pick two films to feature review and then kind of... And bring on and bring on somebody who had seen all the movies and kind of talk around. <laughs> so we know, talk about the other. So we don't have to do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to. I don't, you can do whatever you want with your life. <laughs> 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 whatever you want to do with your one short life. Whose idea? Whose idea was this? <laughs> Puppet ma- master business. No, this is fine. I, I'm enjoying it, and you know, on, on some level, we all know that I deserve it. So. Let's with that. Let's move into <laughs> our review of Puppet Master Two. 
puppets of Andre Toulon. First, they made you smile. And then, they made you die. Blade. Pinhead. Jester. Leech Woman. And Tunneler. Now, the show has begun again. And this time, their master is back. From beyond the grave. You brought me back. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> Andre Toulon returns. Thanks to the help of his puppets and some ecto cooler. And this time he's bad to the bone. But his time is short. And he needs to collect a bunch of brains so that he can live forever without strings. This is a very interesting uh, addition to the, the Puppet Master mythos. Do we want to call it a mythos? It's fine with me. Uh, um, and and it, it's, it's hard to even know where, where you want to start here. Like, uh, so th this has Andre Toulon returning, correct? Yes. Uh, but he's not the same as he, he was previously shown in the first film. Uh, we get an Andre Toulon that is is a direct nod to a couple things. One of which that stands out is the Invisible Man, mm -hmm. um, and yes. he has a very uh, classic evil air about him, um, which is a a total flip side from what the the kindly old man the puppet maker we saw uh back in 19 uh it was 1939 correct um yes in the first film yeah yeah uh so he is what he <laughs> i'm kind of flabbergasted honestly um <laughs> So we have another team of uh, psychic specialists. Uh, the, these, uh, this team, uh, however, is uh, a division of the U.S. government, and I don't have their name written down here, but it is is very ridiculous, uh, and it is it does not exist. I did check to see if this was <laughs> at any point in history a thing, and apparently it's not. So <laughs> big surprise. This, this team, they <laughs> go. They go to the hotel uh, from the first film, and they do this because they're investigating the uh, a murder. Mm -hmm. And this is the the murder of Gallagher's wife. I believe her name was Megan. Um, and they be they believe that um, Alex uh, is is the the cause of this. Um, and he's in a mental institution currently. And the, the reason for them going here is, is honestly very strange. Uh, I, 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 did I miss something in the, the plot that, that was very key to uh, sending a, a team of psychic uh, supernatural specialists here? Um, I guess uh, you just kind of have to uh read between the lines here and assume that they knew that yeah they knew that the other psychics they knew the other people who all died were psychics and the only yeah. one survived and that he had kind of gone crazy so i think they were kind of the idea was to kind of try to see if there was anything to it i think yeah mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, Which, they jump. They jump right to the the psychic specialists rather than anything else. So in the in I guess in full moon uh, canon, psychics are your your go to instead of uh, the police or mm-hmm. um, <laughs> things of that nature. Yes. A- anyway, I the, I, the last film how they were going to explain this to the police and they didn't really have to worry about it too much. Like, well, yeah, we we're a bunch of psychics and we we're killed by <laughs> killer dolls. Oh. <laughs> it it does add to the fun factor and and i imagine this whole setup being like something that i would put into effect as a kid with my action figures uh just just a, a loosely knitted uh plot in order to get the puppets there and and start playing with the toys that i want right uh, right so uh you that's guys wish i had alex in it though or uh, yeah. no alex alex Agreed. was great uh he was great because he was kind of um he, he was kind of the blank slate that you could, uh, you know, he, he was the archetype for the viewer. Uh, he he could have, he was the everyone man. He, he could have been you. Yeah, the audience. Uh, which surrogate. I think was very important. Yes, and, um, and just to add, sorry to interrupt it, but, sure. but when he, you know, we're told that he's insane and locked up, but when he walked out at the beginning of the first film, he seemed very, <laughs> very fine and happy um, especially given all that he had experienced, that's just hilarious to me that all of a sudden he's insane. But anyways, go ahead. Cake Wolf. Sorry. No, no, it's, it's fine. Uh, so Andre, uh, Toulon, he gets resurrected by his puppets and the, uh, the thing that they use to resurrect him, uh, it looks like ecto cooler, but it, it's a special serum <laughs> and the, the, the whole plot of this is um, the the puppets are essentially trying to collect brains, which is new, and they're they're doing this uh, so that they can they can continue to live because they're they're having a hard time getting by day to day. They're getting weaker. Jester is falling uh, m- uh, subject to this more than anyone else. And uh, Toulon, he has his own kind of motives. Uh, he wants to get himself into a giant puppet body. Um, but besides that, he he kind of builds uh, motives uh, throughout the course of the film um, that don't really fall in line with, with the puppets that saved him. And, and I think that I'm just going to jump right into... Uh, <laughs> into some of uh, my explanations here. Um, I want to touch firstly on uh, the previous film because we didn't mention it, but I, I really think that the, the wife, Megan was the puppet master in that movie. I think that her husband retained his psychic abilities even after uh, she uh, KO'd him and, and brought him back. Um, I think her intentions were uh, out of fear. She was afraid of the other psychics, possibly posing a threat to whatever her plans might have been in the future. So she had him uh, use his abilities to call them there. And why Alex lived, I think, was because she found him harmless. Uh, wow. So nice. I, that, that's where I go with that. Now, as as far as... Toulon coming back and being evil, I think this is um, is, is shown a couple of, of times. I think it starts with uh, Gallagher. Uh, he comes back. He's definitely evil, but he's 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 controlled. Um, I think when you come back and you 
don't come back in a puppet body from a uh, a legit puppet master, I think you come back wrong. I think that's like the, the pet cemetery burial. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Charles Band, he he's mentioned here and there uh, that he's been building up to a full moon universe. Um, so I don't know if that's for people like me to draw lines to things, but that's what I'm going to do. And yeah, I would draw <laughs> lines to reanimator. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think when they, when they come back in, in that order of events, they come back wrong. Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there, there's puppets collecting brains throughout this, uh, th- this film. And the first one that we see again is uh we see tunneler doing his thing once again amazing <laughs> that's one of the best kills in this yeah, that is that thus, is pretty good thus far i mean just right in the forehead into the brain that's intense so where where should we what points should we cover with this um okay what do you think is is the most uh, important route to go well, I think it's fascinating that mm-hmm. we're back at the same location, but that we don't follow those original characters because there is part of me that wonders why go back to, you know, to this hotel, which is, by the way, the hotel is a really cool location. And I don't, I don't ever hear people talk about this as much. You know, we hear, we hear a lot about horror fans going to try to stay at the Stanley hotel or, um, you know, or the hotel up at Mount hood, you know, to kind of get that shining experience, but you don't really hear about people, going to this one and when i first saw it i thought is this that um hotel door coronado that's what i thought it was the the hotel from the stuntman which is a a a really bad movie that i love and i always thought oh man i want to go stay in that coronado hotel from the stuntman and when i saw this i was like oh it's the same hotel it's not it's uh the castle green hotel in pasadena but it's a really epic location for such a small series of films um anyway sorry that was a side road there but well i I I think it's weird to go back to this location and not really deal with those characters and it's strange that this hotel kind of becomes a hub for the series in a lot of ways um because it just doesn't seem necessary i guess that's weird josh because um and i and i believe you over uh imdb in the in the first imdb trivia it said the bodega bay hotel was a miniature and it was built about the size of a refrigerator and so when they found that location they hung the model in the air and used like forced perspective in oh, order to make it appear like it was actually there but you're saying that there's a a location so you're talking about the interior right as opposed to the I did the what i thought was that the castle green hotel hmm. was the location for yeah i mean it looks like a when they, when they do those wide shots, it does not look like they're actually at that location, but I believe the hotel exists. I don't know. I'll, I'll do some fact checking while you're, while mm-hmm. we're talking. Interesting. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, that's neat. Um, you know, one of the things that struck, struck me about this film is that, yeah, you guys brought up the invisible man thing, but I think that uh, of the first five I've seen thus far, this is the only one that strikes me as being creepy like and and it's the Toulon character I mean he's he's actually a little bit 
he's a little bit creepy to me in the way he's almost like a uh what's the word <laughs> like first of all you know that it's very unpleasant under that wrap because when he's first <laughs> resurrected or whatever you'd call reanimated his um his hands come up in front of the camera in the foreground and you see that his hands are nasty and and so you also assume that the rest of him looks you know worse worse for the wear but um there's that and also the way that he's kind of uh i I don't know he he kind of pushes himself and inserts and insinuates himself into these people's (laughs) lives and and their little budding romance um it's creepy in a you know in an old dirty old man pervy kind of guy way but also creepy because he's he's so mysterious but so i like i like that aspect but you're right it's not in line with the sweet uh toulon that we get actually for most well at least the first five films that i've seen what i have a hard time honestly if i'm being honest understanding this movie fully (laughs) <laughs> and and I think you you touched on something there. I think there there's um just this very strange logic that's behind it, and I don't think it's intentional. I think it's a mistake that ended up making it very disturbing. Um, it definitely has. Uh, when you were talking, I what came to mind to me was Motel Hell, and that movie gave me a very similar feel because you have that. Uh, main character falling in love with the um, the man that she really shouldn't be falling in love with, uh, but he uh, almost seems sympathetic at times. Uh, like you connect with them at times, and yeah. it's a jarring experience uh, because you know that he's the antagonist, but it still makes you question that throughout. And I have a similar issue with. Toulon in this movie because they do manage to make him somewhat sympathetic at times, even though they're maintaining this air of very creepy uh, creepiness about him. Um, And at the same time, this movie, I think more so than any of the other puppet master movies I've seen follows very traditional horror tropes, which bring me into the movie more than a normal full moon cinematic experience would where I'm just kind of sitting back and going, okay, let's bring on the chaos. This one's (laughs) a little bit more plotting. Uh, Now it does have its its issues. And I think the acting really stands out on the part of the paranormal investigators, but uh, there is a lot of good acting in it as well. Um, We've got a character named Camille that is uh, kind of traveling behind the, the paranormal paranormal investigators. And, she gets guided to the hotel from some locals and these locals are fantastic. (laughs) I, I love them. Uh, They, they remind me of the duo from motel hell. They look like them in a way. Yeah. Uh, Farmer Vincent and his wife. (laughs) Yeah. There's a, there's, as you would say, a harbinger of doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- telling Camille not to go up there. Mm-hmm. Bad things happen up there. Right. Um, yeah, it's just, so that's, that's, uh, 
that's not something you typically get just that little thing alone. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's a there's a couple things like that. I I find this movie disturbing. I I guess is the best way to to put my finger on it. Totally agree. It's weird. And and you know just to speak to that, like one of the one of the most notable, most disturbing scenes that I've seen thus far in these first five movies is you got this one scene where this little boy is essentially oh, whip, whipping a Ken doll, like a, a male Barbie doll, <laughs> like. And, and he's whipping it and saying, die, Nazi scum. And it's like, <laughs> and, and, and then we, we learn that um, I think it's kind of cool that we learn that this kid is an Indiana Jones fan, it seems. But um, that, it's just it's it's some transgressive imagery to see a little kid, you know, acting that way. Um, in this movie, we get. The first instance, unless I'm forgetting one from the first one, but I think this is the first instance we've seen of the puppets getting killed. I mean, we got the death of, or supposed death of Tunneler, where he gets um, smashed up by a lamp, and then they dissect him like he's some kind of frog in seventh grade. You know, like, I love that dissection. I love that. And, And in fact, I think it's the dissection is what made me ultimately love Tunneler so much, made him my favorite. And then we even see the end of uh, Leech Woman, which is something I wasn't expecting either. So that was surprising to see two death scenes. And of course, this is the introduction to Torch as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, oh, oh, one last thing I, I would just want to throw out there as well, Cake Wolf and Josh. Um, it, it, it's weird, this kind of flashback type sequence where we see the the Faust poster and of course like you know the the Faust stuff is interesting thematically anyway because like you know those who are you guys are probably much much better read than I am but like that's like the the German legend right and, and he was what did he do he made a deal with the devil he exchanged his soul for like worldly stuff basically and and we all know how that turns out, right? So there's this. Fa- yeah, uh, basically he gets uh, Faust gets claws and fights crime in New York City while the devil chases him around. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of dark. Stay away, stay away from a '90s action horror movie named Faust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that, you know, more or less. But um, but yeah, you got the Faust poster, and that's where we meet um those really neat. I mean, we, we see the, let's see, what's that puppet's name? Mephisto, right? And then we see uh, Jen the homunculus, which are, you know, two really cool ones as well. Anyways, oh, yeah. um, so just you to kind of... I think it's got, go it's ahead. got, the Faust is an interesting um, reference too. I was thinking though when Cake Wolf was talking, it has a very classic kind of mad scientist vibe. I mean, you know, the Invisible Man, which is clearly referenced here, definitely has a bit of that where he's your hero, but he's kind of this villain at the same time. And, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde has that, that kind of feeling, the fly. It feels like those, those scientists who kind of like they're, they've got this experiment. They, they're not, their intentions are not necessarily bad at the beginning, but they kind of can't help that they're turning into a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That unraveling. Because they're crossing lines that shouldn't be crossed. Right. So. I think that that's probably 
why I, one, one of the main reasons why I'm just so offset about this, because I don't know who my, my antagonist and protagonist is. Right. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting. I mean, in a, um, because if you got, if you got kind of film snobby about it, right. Um, technically, cause I think the general population, most people consider a protagonist, the quote unquote, good girl or good guy but um but in a very literal sense like the protagonist is the is the being that's trying to accomplish something and the antagonist isn't necessarily evil it's just the person who's trying to thwart what the protagonist is doing so yeah you could totally read uh Toulon as the protagonist in this even though he's evil Mm -hmm. for sure so and that's cool right I mean that's pretty interesting yeah, I mean, how evil is he? Like, he's, he, you know, he's motivated by love, right? He's trying to reunite with his wife. So again, it has that like the like the Bram Stoker's Dracula kind of thing where mm-hmm. your monster becomes a step more sympathetic because they're just trying to find their, you know, the love of their life and like reconnect in that way. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's interesting. It's like Mister Freeze or like the Mummy with Brendan Fraser, like you know, yeah. Anyways, or Brandon Fraser, you, you know, um, you know how what's his face you know, is trying to get what's what's her face back. <laughs> I love I love that actress. I can't help it. Um, anyways, so let's let's wrap this one up so we can keep on moving. Um, just just final thoughts and rating. I'm just gonna say I I like that this one is scarier. Um. It, somewhat scarier it's it's a little more enjoyable for me than the first one even so i do like it better than the first one and um i love that we have puppets get killed i like the introduction of the new puppets and it's a good time for sure and yeah i i, I wouldn't hesitate to recommend this to somebody who wants just an interesting bizarre little night of of watching a a crazy horror movie. And so um, for Puppet Master 2, I'm giving it a, a 7 out of 10. And I'm calling this a, a rental for me. Uh, what do you say, Wolfman Josh? Yeah, I mean, I think I like this one the best of the films I've seen so far. I think, I again, I really wish I had Alex. I wish it had continued some of the original plot line. But I love the return of Andre to Lon and the way that they set that up. I love his look of the... I'm such a huge fan of the invisible man. It's fun to just see such a jarring image and um, that's not really explained, which is really fun. I love the life-size puppets to me. That is the creepiest thing ever. And I wish there was a lot more of that in the movie. To me, that's like, that's where it's at. When they bring back the life-size puppets, (laughs) like this is messed up looking and just terrifying looking. Oh yeah. Um, I love all that stuff, you know? Uh, the you know the trying to get this woman who's not your wife to be your dead wife trope uh, you know I, I was just thinking Eddie Murphy with the haunted mansion that's another one that does that as well but <laughs> I, I like that uh, that little horror trope and um, yeah I think this one's a lot of fun to me this is more in the seven point five range oh. and I would. This is a high priority rental. If you want to watch something that's totally wackadoo, crazy, like uh, you know, we had talked to um, 
Daniel Kurland from he's a writer for Den of Geek and Bloody Disgusting and other couple other places. And he did a ranking of the Puppet Master films on uh, for Bloody Disgusting recently when The Littlest Right came out. And he talked a little bit about um, just how bizarre this film is and how it's one that if you show it to someone with, when, without any context, how they'll just be like, what the <laughs> F is going on here? And I think right. what a fun experience that is to have as a viewer. So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think that's true. I think it's weird. I like that. It has like kind of this fantastical feeling about it. And I feel like this is more what I expected when I went to watch puppet master than the first one was, mm-hmm. you know, the first one did feel like just a little bit more generic slasher to me. And this one felt like, what is this? Right. Agreed. Yeah. So just a 7.5 high priority rental. Great. And uh, what about you cake wolf? I would give this one an eight. I would say that this one's also a buy. Um, I feel like, the acting of of a lot of the uh, the paranormal investigators take me out. Um, there, there's a lot of. I thought they were. I thought it was felt way more grounded to me than the original. Mm-hmm. Same. Hmm. I couldn't. I maybe I just couldn't get into them. There was something about yeah. them that I I felt there was there was something that that, that needed to be desired there that mm-hmm. was lacking. Yeah. Uh, I, I did really connect with, um, the, the locals. I, I thought they were great. I loved seeing them on, on the scene. Um, and, uh, Andre Toulon himself, all of the puppets again, of course, uh, and, and Camille and those puppets at, at, at the end, the giant sized puppets, <laughs> very, very creepy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, also the way that they, they execute that ending. Um, Jesus, I mean, can I, can I go there? Can I say? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, we're in spoilers. Go I for mean, it. the puppets uh, at the end, they bring Camille back to life, and she's one that dies very, very early on in the film. And uh, the reason for this is, is very strange. I, th- I feel like they just need a, a master. Uh, they need someone. So th- they... had her as a backup plan because they they hid her body um but regardless she comes back she's totally evil which is completely bizarre because it's it's not what she was like at the beginning of the film which makes me think they come back wrong and she's talking about she's driving them in a in a bus uh towards a mentally (laughs) ill uh asylum essentially for 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 children uh And she's talking to the puppets that are in there with her uh, torches in the front strapped in. And she's like, yeah, we're going to go and eat their brains and no one's going to care because they're just going to think they're crazy. And she's saying this while she is dressed up in the most flashiest of, of pompadour gear. Uh, yes. She, she looks like a mix between um, one of the, the three musketeers and somebody that stepped out of a seventies disco party. And <laughs> Jesus, she's frightening as well because she's a puppet, a giant puppet of, of this, this woman that was meant to, uh, to be, um, a uh, different uh, person from earlier in the film, and it, it looks absolutely horrifying. Mm-hmm. You really executed I, that look well. I don't know how they did it. I mean, it, I've seen the 
the the plastic faces that they have at Halloween shops that let your skin tone come out through it, but it gives it this very fake, um, almost Barbie-like feel to it. Mm -hmm. It seems kind of like that, but a little bit more pronounced with these very vapid fish eyes. Yeah, uh, yeah the, <laughs> the eye appliances really are what sell it, and then like they've got some teeth that I think. Yeah, the thing that always reminds me of though is um, there was like a Primus video, why uh, known as Big Brown Beaver video, uh, okay. from Primus, <laughs> which was also based on the uh, on the uh, Burger King King kind of look. Oh you know, like, yeah, you remember that? Like totally. It's not quite there in this, but it's it's actually creepier than that even. But it has kind of that similar vibe to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yes. So uh, Cake Wolf says uh, that, that Puppet Master Two is an eight out of ten. He says buy it. Okay. All right. If you guys are ready, then we got one more voicemail here, and we appreciate people who called in and uh, let us know their thoughts. This comes from. Uh, oh. Yes, sir. If you don't mind, I'm, I'm, one thing that we skipped I wanted to cover. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, I'm sorry. I'm holding <laughs> your, your night up. Uh, so uh, the, the, uh, the Egyptian that gave the secret to Talon in the flashback that you had briefly mentioned, Jay, mm-hmm. where we get to see the, uh, the Faustian uh, puppet and the djinn, uh, the, uh, the reason why I think the Egyptian gave it to him this is a bit of a stretch. I'll make this quick. Uh, there, I think that that dude was a rogue demon. I mean, he just uses his eyeballs to light puppets on fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that this is because of things that happen later in the franchise. I think he's a rogue demon and he wanted to spread cor- corruption and chaos. He couldn't do it himself because uh, this is tying into the full moon universe theory. Uh, Dr. Mordred, who is essentially the Dr. Strange for the full moon universe, uh, mm-hmm. basically hunts demons on Earth. So, <laughs> oh, Nice. Yeah, I'm liking your theories. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's good. I can tell you've thought about this stuff a lot, Cake Wolf. Uh, I, I try, <laughs> try to make some kind of sense. <laughs> That's very cool. All right, so uh, let's hear a voicemail now. This comes from JJ, a.k.a. Uh, Lester, the, the less, lesser of two evils. I don't know. Did it, does he say Lester or lesser of two evils from Allentown, Pennsylvania? You guys decide. Here we oh, go. Oh, it's, it's lesser of two evils. Yeah. Okay. Just lesser, not Lester. I didn't know if he was yeah. doing another play on words there, but anyway, okay, here we go. Hello, Jay of the Dead, Dr. Shock and Wolfman Josh. JJ, AKA lesser of two equals on Twitter. They're from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Long-time listener and tweeter, but first-time caller. When I was made aware that you were covering the Puppet Master franchise, I had to call in. This is a franchise that is near and dear to my heart. I saw the original Puppet Master on TV when I was far too young, along with a lot of other 80s slashers were my introduction to the genre, but this one was probably the first that truly freaked me out. When going to sleep at night, I would usually leap onto bed from... About a foot or two away, just make sure Blade wouldn't get reach out and get me. Even now, I can appreciate the suspense, production, tone, and quality of that first film. Killer puppets are small and, in theory, easy to outrun and overpower. The flaw of most of these types of movies, and why a lot of them turn to comedy to acknowledge it. But when done right, and when playing it straight, 
the insidious nature of the puppets, how they can be hiding nearly anywhere or sneak up on you, is the most unsettling part about them. Anyway, despite loving the second movie almost as much, time and endless sequels have caused my relationship with the franchise to change, turning the puppets into the heroes as they overcame Nazis and aliens distracted from the initial straightforward horror that I love. They were no longer scary, they were saving us from evil. Plus the obvious budget limitations, continuity errors, and narrative inconsistencies that I'm sure you'll delve into deeply has diluted the franchise. Perhaps the most egregious offender is Puppet Master of the Legacy, a movie that I hope you all have the foresight to fast forward through, as it's mostly just a collection of clips. I haven't seen all of these uh, last three movies in the franchise, the so-called Axis Trilogy, aside from a few segments, and the production seems to be cheaper than ever. On the bright side, I picked up the newest film, Puppet Master The Littlest Strike on DVD, and just finished watching it. I won't spoil anything about it, except that I think it is a fresh take on the material. Another unsolicited suggestion to anyone who wants to own this, there are DVD collections out there. You can get the first eight or nine movies for about $5, which are fine. But if you're an established fan, I recommend considering the remastered versions of the first three films, which you can get in a collection, which is moderately priced. Full Moon head honcho Charles Band has confessed that some of the initial releases had rough transfers, especially the second movie, which always looked like it was ripped from a VHS. More expensive collections that also include a remastered 4 and 5 are available, but with the remastering on those first three films, it is exceptional. It gives them new life. I'm curious whether the Puppet Master film series holds up for a new generation or to those who didn't view them under the ideal context of seeing them soon after their releases and being as young and naive as I was. Despite all the negatives I brought up, the Puppet Master film series, and this can be said about a lot of Full Moon Features movies, is that I enjoy them for what they are. The limitations and flaws are just part of the deal. So thank you very much for delving into this. Uh, it's important to me personally, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts and insights. Happy Halloween to all. All right, JJ, thanks for your voicemail there. You could tell that JJ is a legit Puppet Master fan, right? (laughs) Clearly gave you the recommendations. The Nazis thought they held the world's strings. But Andre Toulon didn't need wires to make death move. Toulon has developed a method of animating his puppets without string. It's as if they were alive. <laughs> if Stein is even half right, this could be very important. Okay, I just want to say as we, we get into this third one here, of the five I've seen so far, this for me is by far the, the best one. I, I was so impressed with this actually. And I agree with the night of 1985. He said this third movie has the strongest story. It's called Puppet Master 3, Toulon's Revenge from 1991. And it is, as we've mentioned, a prequel, actually. So um, this is directed by David DiCato. And uh, the tagline is, World War II has just gotten smaller. <laughs> so this is set in uh, Berlin back in World War II. And you have uh, Toulon. He's putting on um, these nice little puppet shows for children and he's he's doing kind of like uh parodies and making fun of hitler and and by the way i will say the the um 
there's just a wooden, it's not a live doll, but it's a, just a wooden marionette type doll of Hitler has a remarkable likeness to, to Hitler in this movie. It's, it's really just surprising how much it looks like Hitler. Anyways, that's a side note. But uh, the Nazis, of course, are doing their um, experimentation. They're trying to figure out how to reanimate dead soldiers so they can basically serve as um, human shields for the, you know, for their live soldiers, right? And um, the doctor, the scientist, doesn't quite have it figured out. And when they discover that Toulon has figured out how to bring things to life and to even be able to control them and have them, you know, uh, be uh, cognizant of what they're doing, (laughs) Um, then, of course, the Nazis take special interests. So that's kind of the premise of this. And I I feel like this film is, is really put together pretty well. And I found myself having those those types of emotional responses that you have to a, a typical well-made movie. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm serious and I'm not dissing on the other movies, but I'm just saying this felt more like a quote unquote real movie because the, the story was pretty well put together there. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it's so different again from what we've gotten you know uh, compared you know uh, the first two films are very different from one another but they're still in the same world this one you know they're making they're making a huge leap to to go backward in time and have a have it be this world war ii set period piece but i wonder if i was a puppet master fan you know i do this with the halloween franchise i kind of divvy it up into different sections that i like better you know it's like well i like the first two together and then i like to add halloween h2o to that and then I like four, five, and six, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like, <laughs> yes. I wonder if, um, I wonder if you're a puppet master fan, if you really start delineating between the different kind of, you know, I, we heard on our voicemail, the Axis trilogy, he referred to it as. So it's clearly there are um, fans who are kind of partitioning off different portions of this franchise and enjoying them on their own. Terms. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you could watch this. Mm-hmm. completely standalone as well right like you don't even have to yes. see any of the other movies i agree in fact you could you could start with this one and you know yeah it, you yeah could, you could well, it would be interesting to watch these in chronological order as they actually occur since so many of them are prequels i wonder if it holds up because i already noticed between two one and two how if the further you get into this backstory, especially after the end of this film, you're like, well, you know, the, this guy who's loved these puppets for decades sure has a pretty quick kind of like wrap up to their relationship. Like they just do, they do not, they do not hesitate to knock him off. This guy who's been in like, a, a, you know, a major character in their life lives for so long, you know, but um, and I'd be, I'd be curious to watch them in chronological order and just see if the, if the character and emotional arcs work, let alone the storytelling. <laughs> well, Cake Wolf, I bet, can attest to this. I think it would be difficult, I mean, um, to actually get them in chronological order since a lot of the, the timeline, you know, the chronology doesn't even line up as it goes. I mean, there are some real weird um, 
weird leaps here. And I guess it's one of those things where just like in Halloween, Josh, you know, it's like there's some weird stuff going on and you're like, okay, well, yeah, that doesn't exactly fit. But, you know, just just go with it. You know, just enjoy it. It's a movie, (laughs) you know. But uh, Cake Wolf, what are your thoughts on uh, the third one here? Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of reflect your thoughts, uh, where you're <clears throat> saying that you have all of the same emotions, uh, for, uh, a good movie, um, and which this is, uh, this isn't just, uh, a full moon movie, uh, kind of experience or, uh, action horror, whatever you want to categorize your puppet master movies as, I feel like this one uh, does stand on its own two feet. You can watch it as a solo film whenever someone uh, asks me which one they should see in in the series. I always recommend the third one because it's, in my opinion, the nice. superior out of all of them. Nice. Uh, it's it's a masterpiece, I think. Uh, <laughs> Big and wow. I mean, I dedicated quite a lot of time to writing a, a, a very silly story, nowhere near uh, as impactful as, as this one is, in my opinion. But um, because of, of the impact this, this movie ha- uh, had on me as a kid growing up, um, and I've just carried it through, I watch it at least once a year. Uh, so it's definitely a movie that's wow. very important, important to me. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And as far as uh, the time difference, which a lot of, of people comment on, um, how this starts in 41, and yeah, uh, we see him die in the first film in 39, um, and then you know we've got um, William Hickey uh, playing Toulon in the in the first one, and then now we have uh, oh geez, um, Guy Rolf. Yes. And uh, for <laughs> it's really hard for me to come up with anything. And I'll just say that for Full Moon fans, uh, start with Trancers and maybe you can think of something. I'm still working on it. <laughs> but uh, tra- Trancers is the answer, I think. <laughs> I, I love that you're an apologist. Uh, I mean, even, even when it's not even necessary, you're like, you know what? I think we can draw draw some lines and make some connections. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You're a good fan. No, I I'm you with know, you. Something also interesting with regard to the um, full moon universe, as it were, is the, I just realized he's kind of using like the reanimator syringe thing here in this one. I, I don't know why that didn't mm-hmm. really occur to me before, but we, we see the reanimator juice in the last one, but it's not used anywhere some in any way similar to, the way it's used in the reanimator films, but in this film, he's just got a syringe of, you know, mm-hmm. green glowing liquid and he's shooting them up with it. For sure. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, just a couple little, that's crazy. It is. It is crazy. And, and I like, I honestly like that, that concept of this life giving liquid. I, I think that's pretty cool. And it seems like as this franchise is progressing, they're really building upon that. And and I kind of liked it because in the very first scene of the first movie or whatever, he's like, he, he like holds that puppet in his hand and says something about giving it life. And then it starts, you know, having life or moving. 
but I like the liquid as as part of you know what gives them life. <clears throat> and in fact, in this film here, it's neat because we see how um, Elsa is put into well actually becomes leech woman and that is really neat and once he actually gives her the leeches into her body all of a sudden her face looks evil (laughs) i love that that's a really neat little touch for some reason i don't know why that's kind of freaky to me but it is um in six shooter we're introduced to him the six armed cowboy and i understand i think everybody knows he was initially going to be a a ninja but ended up being a cowboy. And what I, I kind of dig about that is how it, he reminds me of a very demented uh, Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> and at the very end of this movie, the final shot, I think, is a nod to the great train robbery where he um, faces the, the audience, breaks the fourth wall and kind of like sh- fires at the audience. And and I'm like, oh, there is a great there's a um, Edwin S. Porter reference right there the great train robbery so that w- i was really impressed by that so anyway this is a fine i think this is a pretty fine film honestly and you know the villains are you know sufficiently despicable and um the german ladies are beautiful and uh <laughs> it's it's a great time <laughs> you know i think so yeah yeah um what about at the end? And well, I mean, actually, I'll save that for the next one because it, it relates. So I'll, I'll I'll just hold off on that. But um, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? I just want to tell people, I hope they will watch this if they haven't given it a chance. But any final thoughts from you guys before we do our ratings? Um, I just wanted to mention from An- uh, Daniel Curlin's ranking at Bloody Disgusting. He had I I, I like what he wrote here about um. A portion of the film he says oh and there are nazi zombies in this too before that was an overdone cliche in pop culture it still plays as a cliche and largely gives an excuse to knock up the body count the idea here though is that these nazi zombies are the result of failed reanimation tests which isn't the worst idea out there and it makes sense that there'd be some trial and error to perfecting toulon's secret but at the end of the day this is still nazi zombies mm-hmm. that's a good point <laughs> i like that there's a disturbing scene surrounding that as well when they, they show that um, one of the soldiers who had committed suicide immediately starts taking up that action again and tries to do it all over. Um, that's kind of upsetting, that scene. I, I found it startling. But mm-hmm. anyways, it's cool stuff. Um, anyway, I'm just going to go in with ratings real quick on this one. I'm just going to bust it out here, you guys. I'm telling you right now, um, for me, I, I love this movie and I'll be honest when I saw the title, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was like puppet master three Toulon's revenge. I'm like, okay, this is going to be done, <laughs> but, but I was wrong and I'm sorry. So to me, I'm, I'm busting an 8.5 on this movie and I'm calling this one a buy. This is my favorite one so far. And I dare the pop-up master franchise to try to top it um what do you say cake wolf uh i love this movie i i love guy rolf uh he's my andre toulon and even if the movie's bad if he's in it uh i feel good inside just watching him he's so gentle in his voice 
Uh, I just, I love the way he speaks. His look feels so iconic to like uh, mm-hmm. uh, almost like Mephisto kind of character. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's sweet. Uh, I don't know. There's there there's something about the actor that I feel like I could watch him in in anything, and uh, maybe it is just his portrayal as Andre Toulon. I haven't seen him in anything else, but some of his earlier films look uh, very interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he he sticks out in my head. I always I always liked him as a hero, and I like the the fact that that we get to see. Uh, more of how he was when he was a man, and it makes the the rest of the franchise that we've seen I feel more valuable. Uh, without this movie, there would be less value I think to the others, but this really brings a lot home. And I like what they did with uh, with Leech Woman. I'm glad they brought her back. Uh, I heard Paramount made them kill her, <laughs> so it's nice to see them bring bring her back right away. Um, you bring up a great point there um, because it shows us the prior evil I mean we've discussed many times on this show how you know horror stems out of a prior evil and and mm -hmm. the killing um, the senseless awful killing of Elsa here is the prior evil for this Mm -hmm. character so yeah that's a good point Cake Wolf yeah Um, also I, I think Richard Lynch really brings it home Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like yeah. his character a lot. Uh, as a question to you guys, I heard, I don't know if this is true, that he uh, dropped acid in the 60s and lit himself on fire. Oh, oh wow. That's what that's what's wow. contributes to his look. I, I yeah, I, that's what I heard. I'm not sure if it's true, uh-huh. but I would feel like uh, that would be a shock to have a, a the type of uh, outcome that his character there has in the film. Um, But he was, he was, he was great. I feel like there really wasn't any actor in here that wasn't bringing it home, uh, you know, all the way from Guy Rolf to uh, Peter, the little kid, uh, Aaron Eisenberg. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, it was all great. And, and I just, I, I gush over the movie, you know, I don't know what to say about it other than to gush because it does mean so much to me. Uh, I would definitely say that it's a buy and uh, maybe it's hyperbole, uh, but I give it a 10. Nice. <laughs> I love, I love it. I love that you gave it a 10. And and I also back you on Guy Rolfa's Toulon. Um, I, like for example, I love in this movie, his delivery when he says that line, be careful. Mueller will be well armed and then he pauses he's like of course so are you referring to six shooter um the way he delivers that is amazing I mean that's just he's a great actor um yeah Wolfman Josh what do you say um well I agree with Cake Wolf I think that this does add a lot of value to the other films um understanding who Toulon is I I realize they're just not as interested in Toulon as I am in the psychic investigator angle. So I think that's the reason it didn't, it was kind of a disappointment to me. I was, I was interested in seeing the continuation of, of one and two, and that didn't really happen too much. And then I was interested to see the continuation of two and three, and then that didn't happen at all. And so, um, so I guess 
the sequels have been a little bit jarring to me as we've gone through the series. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. And this is, as we kind of mentioned, a, like a totally reasonable standalone film. And I think maybe if I just enjoyed it on its own terms, I would appreciate it um, even more, you know, than, than as part of this series. I, I, I also think, I, you know, my as our last <laughs> caller, Lost for Two Equals said, I think my feelings about this will change as I, after I've seen the whole series, you know, I think um, my perspective will probably shift, but um, I liked this one a lot. I just was not the world I was quite as interested in as the previous installments. And so for me, I, I would rate this one a seven and call it a must see rental. I still think all three of the first films that I've seen are must see rentals for a horror fan, especially a, a horror fan of this style and era um i'll say cake wolf's passion for this film makes me want to read simeon swastika stomp more than watch puppet master four but (laughs) yeah my no my story is is gross it's 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 meant to be obscene it's not (laughs) there's really no meat to it so this is completely irrelevant non sequitur but just so you know guy rolf he died on October 19th, 2003, which was exactly 15 years to the day preceding Halloween 2018's release. Just saying. So when you go see Halloween 2018 on October 19th this year, think about Guy Rolf as your Toulon. I know you people will. Anyways. <laughs> so Josh says 7 out of 10 must see rental. Awesome. Now, I, I also heard that uh, a lot of the, the sets uh, in this film were the same sets used in the 1931 Frankenstein. Oh, wow. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will mention we never talked. I never got back to it, but I, I guess the Hotel Green was the most used of any actual exterior throughout the franchise, but they did not shoot most of it there. Um, they just kind of used it for occasional shots. Um, when they needed stuff that looked like a hotel, like let's say the opening scene of part one, mm-hmm. um, they also used was is a location of an oft used location called the Clark Residences. Uh, that one was featured more in part two, and then uh, the Mission Inn has been featured as well throughout uh, the series. Um, but yeah, I guess Hotel or Castle Green is um, one of the, one of the locations they return to occasionally throughout the series. Yeah, these are shot in like. California, Culver City, and Pasadena area, I believe. Right. <clears throat> okay. Pasadena is where Castle Green is, yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, that's it for uh, Puppet Master 3. If you haven't seen it, people, it's worth checking out for real. Okay, and next we have a nostalgic voicemail from Barely Ashley, a dead serious horror fan from Arkansas. Hey, guys, it's Ashley, a.k.a. Barely Ashley, calling from Jonesboro, Arkansas, and I'm super excited to hear your reviews of the Puppet Master franchise. Um, Around the age of four or five, late 80s, my dad would pick me up on his weekends. We would go to our small town grocery store slash video store, and I would always pick up Puppet Master and a thing of chocolate chip cookies. It was my earliest memory of falling in love with horror movies, so no pressure for you guys in your reviews. Dead series about horror movies since 1985. 
Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for your voicemail, Ashley. I love stories like that. Tales from the VHS rental days. A lot of good memories. A lot of horror fans were made in the 80s in the aisles of a video store. Great voicemail. Thanks for the call, Ashley. All right. So now we're going to move into uh, Puppet Master 4 from 1993. Cake Wolf is going to give us the premise in just a second. But I just wanted to tease one thing. At the end of the third movie, there's a little title card on the screen. It says, Coming Soon, Puppet Master 4, When Bad Puppets Turn Good. (laughs) And that, When Bad Puppets Turn Good, (laughs) that is not carried over to the official title of the fourth film after all. However, I have seen it used in taglines for these movies. In a hotel on Bodega Bay. A team of researchers will discover a secret. The trunk! Stay away from the trunk! Beyond their imagination. For the moment, the secret of my magic and my puppets is safe. Maybe that's the formula Toulon wrote about. Wait a minute, how can liquid animate these guys? Maybe they just need a little gas. A power that a demon Showtime. Will kill to possess. The magic that gives my puppets life was stolen from the tribe. Okay, pu- uh, I almost called you Puppet Master. You are the Puppet Master, Cake Wolf, as far as I'm concerned. Plus, the Puppet Master. Plus it's getting cake. <laughs> plus it's getting super late. But anyways, uh, take us away on this premise. Okay. All right. Uh, Brad Pitt's old roommate is having some trouble with robots, but that's okay. The puppets are here to help. Go, go, puppet master. Let's fight some demons. Uh, <laughs> we have a mess. Uh, the uh, Puppet Master 4 came out very shortly after the rise of the Power Rangers movies. And I, I went to see when the Pokemon, the original Pokemon game was released in America. That was later. So I can't, that theory's out the window. Uh, but like, this is, this starts off with uh, this very ridiculous looking giant, demon who is completely naked and he's surrounded by demons who are clothed. Uh, so I guess that makes him, uh, the Supreme demon because he's not ashamed to be naked. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. there, it, he's, <laughs> Oh God. Uh, <laughs> it, it feels like a Rita Rapunzel moment, like in power Rangers where she's, uh, monologuing, uh, her evil plan for that episode to thwart the Power Rangers, but we have puppets in this one, and uh, this this demon's essentially doing that. And his plot, which changes between the fourth and fifth movie, which are essentially one movie that would was turned into two movies. <laughs> um, yeah, his his plot changes, so don't pay too much attention to it when he initially brings it up. I guess. Uh, <laughs> But he wants to put uh, the evil of his servants uh, and then eventually himself into these 
uh, demonic puppets, which are uh, totems. They call them totems mm -hmm. and, and send them up to earth in hopes to thwart the production of uh, a, a corporation that's working on robotics. And this is because uh, the, 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 I, I, I'm well again, uh, plot <laughs> changes. Um, but we have them, uh, these totem things, which, which look really cool. I love the look of them. Yes. They yes. Look like very skinny simians that are littered with thorns. And they have, uh, almost like they're wearing a mask that's, uh, very tribal looking. Mm -hmm. But it's all part of of their uh, of their form. It's all part of of what they are. They're very cool. They've got like an exoskeleton kind of look to them as well. They did a great job on them. I kind of wish that they did a bunch of different versions of them uh, that were mm -hmm. more varying. Other than um, other than that, I really like the look of them. I back and you. They they uh, Cake Wolf. Do they remind you of the? some of the xenomorph designs from alien covenant as, as particularly and here's a, a mild spoiler for alien covenant particularly the backburster <laughs> xenomorph i mean it I, they, they remind me a little bit of that i have seen those things i haven't seen alien covenant but oh, yeah oh, i can sorry. agree with you there yeah yeah um they're it they're cool i love them uh i i have a little glow in the dark one of them um cool so they're being sent up these little totems uh, to essentially murder uh, people in this corporation that uh, the people that are connected with it. And we see a, a, a bunch of kills, um, well, two uh, kills off the bat uh, of scientists working for this uh, robotics corporation. And they're very basic kills. Um, there's not much meat to them. They, they feel like I, I like to say cheap carnosaur kills because it's always <laughs> what comes to mind for me. You've got the uh, POV of the person that's screaming. And then you see the hands kind of come out the side of, of the, the camera. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. other times you don't right. You just see the camera going in and out while the person screams. Um, and I feel like that's a, a bit of a letdown, but uh, I, the, it, it the, that does change. I, I feel like later on we get to see some cool puppet fights, which is essentially what this movie yes. is about and, and should have had more of, in my opinion. Um, which let's just pause and note real quick. I was, yeah. when that happened in this fourth movie, I'm like, wait a second. I guess we have, I just realized we haven't really had puppet type battles yet. And it's taken yeah. four movies to get there. And I never, why didn't we think of this sooner? I love it. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 really should have just been way more of that and and less of everything else they were going for. Because <laughs> um, that's mainly what sticks out in my head. We have right. Gordon uh, Curry playing Rick Myers, and he's 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 been in one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. I think it was uh, Manhattan. Mm. Jason takes Manhattan. Mm. Am I correct there? I bet Josh knows better um, than I do off the top. Sorry, I kind of was tuning out, but oh no, that's fine. Uh, he's also uh, we we. It's possible that we could have seen Brad Pitt uh, playing his character. They were roommates at the time of this film. Um, that's amazing. 
but <laughs> he is uh, a, a child prodigy and he's working on um, making a, an intelligent, uh, basically an intelligent robot. He's working on AI. That's his, the, his shtick. You were correct. Jason takes Manhattan. Okay. Well done. Um, and just to speed things up, he comes across a, a bunch of puppets. Uh, he has one of them, uh, Blade, that's just kind of out and about. But he comes across the a, tr- a trunk of them after having some friends over, uh, w- uh, as well as his girlfriend. And, and the group of them get stuck between this power play uh, of, of demons and this corporation. And they have the puppets on their side. As uh, Rick learns that he is being preened to become the new puppet master, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I. I <laughs> what would you guys like to to comment on on okay. this one? Yeah, <laughs> I have a few. Th- I have a few things. <laughs> Number one, um, this film and. Uh, consequently, the next film, they both had five screenwriters. There are five credited screenwriters. I'm just going to put that out there. That that doesn't always mean bad things, but it usually means bad things. Just saying. Um, another thing, yeah, and I think you covered this as well. Like, uh, and and we had night night of um 1985. He mentioned this. I, the reason they feel like a pair is, I guess, yeah, they were going to be one theatrical movie right initially it was um, going to be called puppet master the movie right <laughs> as if the as if the pre- previous films weren't movies as well which is so funny to me but, but anyways um this has one of my favorite kills so far in it and, and uh, i'm sorry this is all kind of just coming stream of consciousness but um you have tunneler <laughs> Who died, by the way, in the the second film? But he's back somehow, um, even though he was dissected. I'm sorry. No, it's funny, right? Because it's like, wh- where, where in the hell did that guy come from? But anyway, he 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 bores into the stomach of one of these totems, and it is super cool. I mean, I love it. Um, so that's awesome. <laughs> Cake, he's just cracking up. Um, that's so uh, well, it is. It's the best scene in in the in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of funny to watch too because his buddies are are spreading this thing apart, and they're like waving Tunneler on as he's charging up to to bore in, like you said. Oh yeah, just the it's, whole. <laughs> it's amazing, actually. I mean, I just love it, <clears throat> and then. <laughs> And then what's weird, because these two films, four and five, are so related and similar, Josh, they actually remind me quite a bit of like Halloween four and five, coincidentally. It's just bizarre. And then we have um, Decapitron, um, this puppet, which is really very Frankenstein-esque or Frankenstein's monster because you got lightning involved in this situation. Um, but what I can't quite get past Cake Wolf is how um, this we just keeps conjuring up uh, Toulon's head on this thing, and it comes and goes. This is very it's bizarre. Funny. It's funny. Um, is it? Because <laughs> it, it's it's pretty. It's pretty. I mean, 
have, have you, you've seen an episode of Power Rangers, right? Um, I don't believe I have. I was a, I'm a little okay. bit older than Power Rangers, but so well, there was this character that commanded the Power Rangers, and his name was Zordon, and he was yeah. a floating holographic head. Which yeah. essentially is what <laughs> Toulon, uh, Guy Rolf, poor Guy Rolf, has has become. <laughs> he's he's become <laughs> Zordon uh, on 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 Decapitron, uh, and he's giving very generalized like one liners like you have to use the force of good. And I I mean it's it's a very funny movie uh, at points. Uh, and I think that's what makes it watchable. Uh, Decapitron, on a side note, was was meant to be an upcoming Empire film that, due to their bankruptcy, had to be canceled. So hmm. uh, like, they they threw it in here. Um, Decapitron. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much else to go on for that. There but, it is. Uh, <laughs> well, he's it's, a puppet now. It, it's weird, right? How like he's um, cool though. He is cool. I, and he can switch his heads out. That is cool. And I do like all the head. I mean, I like every instance of head switching, <laughs> except when Toulon's head, like all of a sudden appears on there and he's like wizard of Ozing it or something. But, um, yeah. but, um, so there, there's some false advertising affiliated with this particular film, which is like on the box art, you know, you have oh, torch, yeah. He's he's shown there, but then he's not in the movie for <laughs> for some reason, which we don't know. Um, my my biggest complaint with this is I feel like there were still I think there were relatively few kills. I don't know what the body count was, but it just didn't feel like there were that many kills to me. Um, geez, let me three that I can remember. Right? Yeah, it's just yeah. pretty low. I mean. Just saying, I could have used a little more of well, that. Especially after part three had so many. I think part three has the most kills in all in the franchise. So, um, yeah, I bet you're right. It's a big, it's a big drop, I guess. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't seen, I haven't seen this movie. I, I, this is one though that I definitely saw on cable in high school, <laughs> like flipping through channels and being like, watch like ten minutes of it, and be like. Nope, and like keep flipping channels. Right. So like I, I'm familiar with bits and pieces of this, but I've never spent any time with it. But it's interesting. Um, like so, I was thinking about yoga hosers recently, and I remember seeing that, and being like, "What in the hell was Kevin Smith thinking with this?" And then to hear him say, "Oh well, well yeah, I'm actually a huge um, Full Moon and Trauma fan." You're like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, I kind of got it at the time. Like, yeah, I get it. But now, actually, having spent time with these Puppet Master movies, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's this is exactly what this is. It's almost like he made his own Full Moon movie, and that's like now I'm almost curious. Like, do Full Moon fans love Yoga Hosers or <laughs> like? I feel like it should be a classic within the fandom of you know that style of film. But I anyway, bet so they do. To digress. No, that's a good point. I bet they do love it. Actually, that makes sense. Um, but can we just can we just back up one real quick, Cake Wolf, to the to that that demon lord character? <laughs> um, uh, is it how do you pronounce his name? Sutek or Suteka? Yeah, something yeah, like I, that. Um, that dude <laughs> looks terrible, and and I'm I'm sorry. Like, I mean, it looks really bad. It, and. <laughs> 
He looks like the main villain at the end of Yoga Hosers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen Yoga Hosers. I I knew better from your review. I'm like, yeah, that's you not really for me. Watch, now that you've watched all these, pu- in fact, <laughs> that would be an interesting palate cleanser in the middle of all the Puppet Master movies. Just Josh, to watch Yoga Hosers. What are you trying I, to I really do to me? I want to watch it now that I've seen some of these. Just to compare. <laughs> but no, y- Yoga Hosers is kind of fascinating. But this this Suteka character is is very baffling to me and extremely risky because they open this film with that. And and after coming off of the third one, which is fairly well done as we've discussed, and then you go into this and it opens with that, you're like, "Whoa, things have changed in this franchise." I don't, you know, I mean, it just feels way off to me, but <laughs> and especially given Cake Wolf, wouldn't you agree? Especially given that the totems look so cool, and then yeah. and then the boss of the totems, is, <laughs> the boss, is terrible. It is kind of like a video game uh, mentality in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But He's this like has the, uh, the end boss. This also oh, goodness has um, laser tag in it. It has a Ouija board type game game board in it. Um, but uh, yeah, not my thing. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rate this puppy right now, so we can keep moving. For me, <laughs> Puppet Master Four. <sighs> yeah, I'm gonna have to give that like a. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna have to give that sucker like a, a four out of ten. And for me, this one's an avoid. I mean, there's that one great kill with Tunneler, who's tunneling out the the freaking totem. <laughs> But other than that, yeah, that's all for me. But what do you say, Cake Wolf? Oh boy, uh, I I always laugh at this film. It's it's hilarious. I wish there was more more ridiculousness in it. Honestly, I mean <laughs> that's kind of what they were going for in a in a in a way, I guess. Uh, possibly, it's just so weird. And and not in a good way, in in a laugh at me kind of way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I enjoy that uh, because I can. I it puts me in a good mood, basically. Um, nice. So I I can give that a six. I can say that you can rent it. I I wouldn't recommend buying it. Um, but yeah, I I would I would suggest to rent it for a laugh. Uh, don't go into it expecting to take any of it seriously i would say but it's got some really awesome uh stop animation uh towards the tail end and and there's puppet fights which is badass that is the best part i agree that and the yeah yeah all right brother so that's puppet master four josh do you think you're gonna get around to that one (laughs) given what we've said puppet master Uh, well you mean i i I did hear that four and five were the last two good films and so until littlest reich so <laughs> wow uh, I, what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna rewatch yoga hosers tonight and then i'm gonna <laughs> see if i feel like puppet master four and five okay fair enough all right well speaking of puppet master five let's move into our review of puppet master five from 1994 when rick myers tapped into the secret of artificial life He became the master of Andre Toulon's puppets. The future is yours, Rick, as well as the magic. 
guard and protect it and keep it from evil. Now, the title card, at least on the DVD version that I own, it just says Puppet Master 5, but there is an AKA title. In some places, it's Puppet Master 5, the final chapter, which is like Friday the 13th, like the what they did there. I don't know if it was actually supposed to be the final installment, but obviously it wasn't. And as we've stated, this is closely connected and tied together with Puppet Master 4. It has a lot of the same cast and scenes. I mean, they were shot back to back. It was going to be part of the same movie. So... Honestly, these these kind of run together for me, but I will say, and I, I I can't I don't know enough about the franchise Cake Wolf to to credit um, specifically this, but it seems like the lighting is done better in this. And what I mean is like the colorful lighting, like during some of the puppet battles and stuff. Um, there there's like a lot more color I noticed, which I thought was kind of interesting. And and I feel like um, I I feel like it ups the 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 kind of like the gore and the kills in this, which is really what I was looking for. So I actually prefer this one uh, to the fourth one because I I feel like it was more enjoyable. Um, but in, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty fun uh, that way. I mean, it, it's it's not a great movie, just like the fourth one. But anyway, here's the premise. I mean, basically, you have um. So that 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 <laughs> let me see if I can do this. Um, so the the demon dude that we talked about who looked weird, um, he my understanding is <laughs> that he put himself into his own totem and and wanted to handle business How on about his own. The way that he did that, right? <laughs> yeah, tell the listeners about that. Uh, I guess. To keep it kind of PC, it, it looked like he was doing the hip thrust dance move uh, <laughs> in front of one of the totems. Right. And he he did it for quite a while. Uh, they like, cut back to him doing it several times and describing exactly what the the point of it was. Monologuing to himself because his <laughs> his buddies are dead at this point. Because when the totems die, they die. Yes. Uh, so he's like, check this yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> he's just hip, <laughs> hip thrusting in front of this yeah. this totem for I, I mean I don't want to take a guess but it felt like a very long time yeah lots of and gyration cut back to it <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so but but yeah he basically he wanted to handle business himself and um <laughs> and and what's weird about that is you know and and I, I I'm trying to go into this in a respectful way, but it, it's, it's, it has kind of this, I don't know if the word you would call it is like antichrist, but it is kind of like, you know, a, a God, so to speak, being put into, um, a mortal body and being sent among the people to, to handle business. Right. This is kind of like a reverse or like, you know, a, <laughs> there's the Christian story, but then this is like an evil demon coming up into a body. And it made me think of that. I, I don't know why. I, I, no, I can I can see that. I, I kind of think that he was lonely at that point because his buddies died and that place seemed pretty empty. Right. 
<laughs> it seemed like a pretty sad place to be. Yes, it could have it could have been that as well. But so this this basically opens with uh, Rick. So just as in earlier in the franchise, when our guy, our uh, protagonist and hero Alex, was just relegated and dismissed as being committed into like an insane asylum or whatever, here our hero in in part five named Rick. He is arrested um, for the murders of the the two doctor uh, scientists in the fourth film. You know, the police are thinking that, you know, he's a suspect. And I just got to say, this police station is very sketchy. Um, Well, yeah, they bring him in. Uh, with already wearing uh, a jail jumpsuit, orange jumpsuit, and and telling him that he's not being charged until he is right. So it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just <laughs> well, isn't it like? Um, I mean, I it this feel. I don't know what it is, but um, in in those parts, maybe it was just a poor location choice. But it looks extremely low budget when oh, you're yeah. in the police station. It's like an empty Kmart. Right, exactly. But um, let me see if there's anything else I wrote down about this one. Because honestly, I was like, hmm, I don't, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to say. I, I do think um, one of my biggest criticisms that we mentioned earlier, and this is kind of a, this is something that we see. In, in these films is it, it does replay a good bit of the fourth film. Like in case you forgot that stuff or something, there's like a review section, which that, that kind of bugs me when that happens. And it sounds like from what you said earlier, cake wolf, you're not a huge fan of that as well. No. And it's not a short one either. There's 10 minutes of it. Yeah. It's long. And I, I couldn't believe how much of the fourth movie was into this. So, so there are lots of reasons why these kind of overlap and run together. And you even heard in one of the voicemails, he's like, um, those two kind of run together. I can't, I can't remember, you know, <laughs> and it's like so true. Um, one of the trivia notes that I read about this is they lost a day of filming because um, their paychecks had bounced the actors. So um, I don't know if that actually happened, but that's what I read. But anyways. yeah, I heard that too. Uh, also that's why I guess the original director from the first film didn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. He never got paid. (laughs) Which is not funny. That's sad, but I mean, anyways, yeah, I did not love this movie. This was not, um, a good time for me. It was, it was a little better than the fourth one though, to be honest, because I don't know. I, I I thought the the lighting was more interesting. I, I like colorful lighting and I thought the kills were a little more gory and bloody and stuff, but right. Um, but that that's about all I have uh, on this one, Cake Wolf. So I mean, you could take it home, but for me, I'm just telling the listeners this is like a a um, a four point five out of ten, mm-hmm. and I also call this an avoid. <laughs> so what do you say? Uh, well, I I'm I'm with you on almost everything. Uh, <laughs> Dwayne Whitaker was in this movie. He was um, basically a, a hired hand for a, a sequence where they're uh, the corporations going in to steal puppets. And I was wowed by his character and I felt like I've seen him before. And I looked him up. Uh, I, he was in feast uh, Halloween two by Rob zombie mm. um, in feast 
he was uh, the real sleazy guy that uh, that kept the um, kept that uh, one mother uh, under very poor circumstances. Mm. If you've seen Feast, mm-hmm. uh, and he has a very satisfying ending in that movie, <laughs> uh, but he he plays a good kind of skeevy guy. Yeah. I feel and and he he was one of the best actors in this film I think. Right. Um but it, yeah it's it's got a lot of shortcomings because I think I think they were trying to to do something completely new and different with the franchise which I I am all for even if they come out bad um I I'm all for uh remakes and reimaginings and all of that stuff because I feel like it's important to uh, to the ex- exper- to experiment with these with these franchises and these characters in order to uh, either get something better out of them or or get something new in the process. Um, I think it's just part of the creative process, and it allows them to keep making money while they're doing it. So I, I'm I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, fun movie, uh, funny again. I I mean I. I'm kind of in the same light as I was with the last one. Um, I'd, I'd go the same way, honestly. <laughs> okay, so same exact rating. I mean, yeah, and 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 to rent it because they're basically the same movie. Yeah, you can you can feel it. I I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah, it's very hard to tell them apart. Um, so you're saying six out of ten, it's a rental. <laughs> Yeah, I would go that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you could even give it a, a couple very small notches higher because we got torch this time, mm-hmm. as advertised. Yes, just a little, just a little late. That's right. That's right. All right. So, Hegwolf uh, says six out of ten calls it a rental. For me, it's four point five, half a point higher than four. <laughs> so, but still in a void. All right. So that was our first. Uh, five <laughs> films of this uh, Puppet Master franchise. I hope the Puppet Master fans out there feel like we have um, thus far given say, it. Yeah. Can I just say really quick, the dude that Cake Wolf was talking about mm-hmm. is the guy who has the gimp in Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay. He's the, he's the, uh, nice. he's the guy who runs the pawn shop in Pulp Fiction. Cool. And that's uh, Dwayne. Dwayne Whitaker. Dwayne Whitaker, yeah. Okay. I, I really enjoyed him. This movie and the character of Hendy has Nicholas Guest, who is um, related somehow to Christopher Guest. I'm not. I'm not sure how, but he's in um, Christmas Vacation. He's Todd. He's a. Uh, he's a. Uh, um, Julia Louis Dreyfus's boyfriend or husband in that movie. Oh, they're brothers. Vacation. They're brothers. Uh, Christopher Guest in. Nicholas Guest. Yes, mm-hmm. he did good in this movie. I liked his uh, his portrayal of the character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's convincing for what it was. That's right. All right. Well, I I hope the the fans of this franchise are so far pleased with our discussion. <laughs> we, um, you know, it'll be exciting to have Doctor Shock back with us next time and hear some of his thoughts on these because, you know, he's he's truck trucking along too but anyways i think that just about wraps up episode 155 of horror movie podcast we thank you for listening and joining us this week on the show and we especially want to thank our good friend and fellow horror fan 
uh, Cake Wolf here. And uh, Cake Wolf, won't you let the listeners know where they can catch up with you? Uh, well, you can check out cakewolf.com. I usually post uh, all of my whatever I'm doing over there. And um, uh, yeah. You're on Twitter <laughs> at Horror Cake Wolf. Right. All of my social media handles are at Horror Cake Wolf. Uh, that's H O R R O R. Uh, C-A-K-E-W-O-L-F and uh, also I'm uh, an affiliate with the uh, Padded Room Network which includes the Padded Room Podcast and the Horror for Dummies Podcast so that's what I what I'm uh, I guess I, I'm bad at advertising myself essentially <laughs> is what I'm getting at I don't like doing it I feel weird so <laughs> Well, I bet you a lot of people appreciated what you had to say tonight yeah. about this, so they're gonna they're gonna check out your other you give stuff. Give them four free hours of entertainment. They can they can check out your sweet stuff online, <laughs> and they know sure. your your heart is pure and in the right place with Puppet Master. So there you there you go. Oh, oh one thing uh, about the uh, fourth and fifth movie I wanted to mention I missed. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my notes here. It it. It's very simple. Uh, Decapitron was uh, was originally supposed to shoot tornadoes, but they couldn't figure out how to do that with their uh, time constraints, so they went with lightning. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's all I got for you. Still, that's pretty cool. <laughs> tornadoes, we missed out. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds difficult to execute. <laughs> Definitely execution <laughs> dependent. But uh, yeah. <laughs> And I want to make sure that we plug something very important for all of you horror fans who are excited about celebrating Halloween this month. Um, In addition to what Horror Movie Podcast does, which is covering franchises and 31 days, you know, what we're doing with Puppet Master and Hellraiser and all that stuff. You also have Spooky Flicks Fest, which is... uh, Joel Robertson and company. That's their crew over there at um, the Retro Movie Geek, which is part of this network, by the way. But in October, they do an insane amount of horror-related coverage. And in fact, they have episodes over there coming up where Dr. Shock appears as a guest and then Wolfman Josh appears as a guest. And I just recently finished recording a, a guest appearance on there when we did Two Evil Eyes. So I know that this the month they're looking at um, horror anthologies and it's always a lot of fun. So I hope you all can check out Spooky Flicks Fest 2018. You can find it at RetroMovieGeek.com and I'll link that in the show notes for this episode. All right, and uh, Wolfman Josh, where can the listeners catch up with you, buddy? Well, on social media at Icarus Arts. Um... Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, and um, yeah, that would be that would be the best place to get in touch. Um, I do want to mention we've got these horror movie podcast T-shirts. If you haven't checked them out yet, they're pretty cool. They're at Teespring.com, but um, also Peter Strain, who is the amazing artist who designed our latest T-shirt, he's doing another little special thing for us for this upcoming Halloween season. So. Um, I, I think by next episode we should be able to announce exactly what that is but there's some fun stuff coming your way so. nice that t-shirt is amazing I've never seen anything like it it's a great idea Peter's just a super talented artist and all of our artists who have contributed artwork are, are really great but Peter's yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's world renowned he's, he does stuff for Arrow Video and 
he did stuff for JK Rowling. So we're very lucky that he just happened to be a listener and was willing to hook <laughs> yeah, exactly. this up. And he put Pennywise in it too, which I was happy to see. Yeah. We're lucky that anybody listens if we're being honest, Josh, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Good job, guys. That's- and, and don't sell your shelf shortcake. Well, if you, you're, uh, I've never seen anyone put place a cake on the head of a wolf so uh, deftly <laughs> as you have on many occasions. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> that is great. What's the origin of that name, by the way? I probably asked you this before, but I just want to make sure. Um, well, uh, I, I have a little joke story uh, to answer that that doesn't actually answer it at the beginning of that Simeon Swastika stomp. Um, but uh, the, the truth of the matter is that I have always liked werewolves and I really enjoy cake. Perfect. That's, that's it. That's it. There's nothing else. That, that, that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> and are, you, are you the graphic artist or is it your partner at are you saw uh, cake wolf? Um, do I do the drawings? Yeah, I do not do the drawings. No. All right. I'm just curious. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, thank you so much. That was. And remember, you can always catch up with Doctor Shock at dvdinfatuation.com, where he has his incredible movie blog, and he's also on Twitter at dvdinfatuation. And, of course, you can catch up with me over at moviepodcastweekly.com where we review new stuff that's in theaters of all genres every week. And it's much more of a comedy show, (laughs) much to my chagrin. (laughs) Anyway, we love your comments, and we want you to get involved in our awesome community. And uh, you can leave voicemails, as you heard tonight, from uh, JJ and Knight1985, and this is Tom. And... Yeah, give us a call at 801-382-8789. You can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also leave a comment in the show notes for episode 155 here. Um, You can find all of our episodes, all 155 of these shows, including our back archives of the weekly Horror Movie Podcast and Horror Metropolis. And those are all found at our website, horrormoviepodcast.com. I know iTunes only gives you, you know, the most recent, what, 25 shows or whatever it is. That's that's where we have it set. But you can find everything at our website. You can subscribe free in iTunes, by the way, so you don't miss an episode. uh, Because sometimes we release sometime during the weekend, right? So a lot of times it's Sundays. Um, But anyways, if you subscribe, then it'll automatically drop to you as soon as we release it. And um, follow us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. And we'd love to catch up with you there. Josh does a great job of keeping that going over there. Pretty fun. I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at FrederickIngram.com. We also like to thank Kagan Breitenbach for his classical reworking of Fred's original theme. You can find more of Kagan's work at KaganBreitenbach.com. Well, both of those linked in the show notes for this episode. And that's it for episode 155. We thank you for listening and join us again next week for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies.